Shut up and sit down. everyone and welcome to the podcast tonight our topic is going to be a plot drift and the plot drift is if the stargate program gets declassified so you know the thing is, is i've actually read a couple of declassification fix in the, um in um stargate but not a lot you would think it would be a huge giant trope sitting in the middle of the fandom but it's not ripples what ripples ripples yeah, uh, big. Thi- I think my observation is typically um, something that admit causes that, that you just implicitly have a really big ripple away from canon, like a huge ripple away from canon, tends to draw less writers. Uh, that's just what I. That's been my observation. So now, I did declassification in what might have been, but I put a gap between declassification and my next story. So the six to eight months between declassification and, you know, the, the story, because um, I didn't want to deal with the consequences. I didn't want to deal with the politics. I didn't want to deal with um, potentially the writing, um, the religious fear mongering. I just didn't want to deal with any of it. Um, I, I didn't want to deal with anything realistic really in that, in that series, to be perfectly honest. So I skipped it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But it is figuring out a progression of how things would go uh, in the world if the Stargate program were declassified. And it depends on that also depends on when it's declassified. Um, so and why? Um, yeah, and why? I mean, if it's declassified around an alien invasion, you know, that's going to have different ramifications than it being declassified years after. Um, the program is kind of like kind of on maintenance mode, for lack of a better word. So the Ori have been defeated. There's no more gold. There's you know the Wraith are being held back. If it's declassified, then I mean it's all everywhere you declassify sets has a different set of ripples to figure out. And it is as Sarah said in the chat room, the cascade of consequences might be intimidating. And I think it is intimidating. Um, that term's really good term, cascade of consequences, can be really intimidating any big break from canon. Um, especially with something that has a worldwide effect, right? It's like, well, what would that look like? And how do I make it, how do I, how do I deal with suspension of disbelief? And you know, how much can I get away with hand waving? And, you know, do I still have to figure stuff out if you if I just did a big time skip? And the answer is yes, you do. Um, because if you don't know, I would do that. That's what I would do. Because I wouldn't want to write the, po- the the political issues around declassification, the actual day-to-day horror of the declassification. I wouldn't want to deal with that. I wouldn't want to write it. So I would do a, a time skip where it kind of like the declassification happens and then jump forward in the future. But if you don't know, if you don't work out in your mind what happened, it's impossible to write to the consequences, right? So you still have to make your timeline, figure out how awful things were, how long it took things to get. Um, I, no, I wouldn't. 
uh, I wouldn't put the, I think we've talked before about how I wouldn't put the MCU and Stargate in the same universe. I wouldn't write a story with those two. That it, it's, it's a, it's a difficult, it's not something I personally would want to juggle. Um, it raises too many questions in the, in the MCU. Um, well, see, the fact is, is but the MCU, everybody knows about aliens. Aliens invaded New York. So finding out about the Stargate program would be like a, a side note. Right. But it, except it probably pissed Nick Fury off. Yeah. Like, what the but, fuck do you mean we've had a Stargate? I didn't know anything about a goddamn Stargate. <laughs> oh, wait. Was that, that was Samuel L. Jackson speaking, wasn't it? <laughs> but actually, and then that's the issue right there is the fact that I don't, I don't buy that S.H.I.E.L.D. wouldn't know about the Stargate program. Right. And I don't buy that they wouldn't have taken it over. And that the Stargate program wouldn't be run by S.H.I.E.L.D. Or at least a division of it. So that's why those two things existing together and having their canon. And the issue here, okay, it's not that they exist together. It's that they exist together and their canon remains relatively intact. And that's what I've seen when I've seen people try to mash Stargate and MCU together. Is they have these two canons both existing intact. Which makes no sense. None. No. Well, I did really, a really cool fic once where, um, of course, the MCU didn't exist, but um, McKay was Iron Man. And he was still McKay. He wasn't Tony Stark suddenly. He was still McKay. But he was running around in an armored suit. And John. So, so fusion. Was, yeah, a fusion. And, and John was a reporter who came to interview him. But then turned around and Iron Man kept rescuing him and he couldn't figure out why. You know, Iron Man was kind of always on the spot to, to save him from himself because he, you know, does dumb things. Um, and uh, come to find out, you know, McKay kind of had a crush. <laughs> Iron Man has a crush on the reporter. So it's a little bit of a Lois Lane thing going on. Superman Lois Lane yeah. thing going on. Yeah, it was pretty cute. Yeah, that I don't have. That, I don't have a problem with that. But it's the canon of Stargate existing in the same world where the MCU exists, and 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 the issue is Stargate canon remaining unchanged. That doesn't gel because there's yeah. no doubt in my mind that Shield would be running the fuck out of that program, or at least assuming that somebody actually was able to stand up to Nick and keep him back, he would still know about it, and they would be you know constantly trying to infiltrate, right? So the separate but living in the same universe and unaltered by each other, I can't I can't wrap my head around it. So that's why I wouldn't choose to put those two canons together in a declassification. Well, one but, thing you do have to keep, like when you're doing something like that, where you have a character like Tony Stark who is who is polarizing and also very, very, very wealthy and very, very well known, is that you can't stick him in a different fandom and then have characters be introduced to him who don't already know who he is. I've seen that. And I'm like, are you fucking serious? Yeah. If you live in a world where Tony Stark lives and you're not living in a cave, and maybe even if you are, depending on the cave, you know who he is. <laughs> yeah, you would. It's just, I mean, you could do it. You absolutely could do it. If you want to work out the ripples through canon of S.H.I.E.L.D.'s involvement in the Stargate program or S.H.I.E.L.D.'s attempts to be involved in the Stargate program. Because there's no way with what S.H.I.E.L.D.'s, what, what Nick Fury's been up to, that he's content to let other people go off exploring the galaxy and, and, and encountering alien races and him not know what's going on. It just doesn't, it doesn't jive with his personality. So, uh, but you could, you could work it out. You could work through what the Stargate program would look like in a world where Nick Fury had at least some kind of hand in. 
or um, that it was even under Shields control. You could definitely do that. But the idea to me, and which is what I've seen more often than not, is these two cannons coming together and they're unaltered until the point that they touch and at, at some point in the future. And I'm, it just, it, I can't get, it, no. It's, it's, a, it's a suspension of disbelief failure, big time. So, I think writing a fusion would be more fun. A fusion would be a lot of fun. Like, yeah. Like, specifically putting the MCU characters into Stargate. Like, Tony being the chief scientist. Yeah. Having the. Um, but still the, being wealthy and sarcastic and Jarvis running the mountain. Be like, General Hammond. <laughs> or have them be um, Atlantis reconnaissance teams. Yeah, that would be a lot of fun too. <laughs> Rodney would be like, no, no, you're not. Fuck, God damn it. They're bringing Tony. <laughs> this is, I, just, I don't want this. I don't want this, Elizabeth. I don't want it. <laughs> I don't think that actually McKay and Stark could be in the same room without coming to blows. Really? Really. Because Rodney is foul-tempered and arrogant. And Tony Stark is arrogant and a smartass. And I think they would they would either have to be I just don't see how I don't I don't Roddy's also insecure. Um and Tony Stark overcompensates. Um because he has some insecurity going on, and he's, you know, he has an he has an addictive personality. McKay has an addictive personality. I think it would be like gasoline in a match. I'm trying to remember how I put it, how I put it, because um, I have them together in a story, and someone just pointed out this story to me, which got me thinking about it. Um, but in Send for the Man, um, there, there's no Stargate program. Yes, the Shepherds are in it. I'm using Stargate characters in the story, but there's no Stargate program. So it doesn't have that big secret conflict. Oh, I had Miko and Rodney get into it, not not Rodney and, and Tony. Well, the Tony in your fic is not as hard as a Tony is in canon. And that could be because of... Um, the Sentinel Guide thing, which influences a character. Um, yeah, sometimes in, sometimes Tony Stark in, in canon, his um, his wit and his sarcasm is biting. And yeah. when you get someone with a very sensitive ego like McKay in the same, and you have someone biting him um, verbally, not physically, he might enjoy it physically. <laughs> I think that's just a recipe for disaster. Well, I have, I mean, Tony is a sentinel in that story and Rodney is a guide. So, so he wouldn't be. And he would know, he'd be able to smell if he'd made a misstep with anything he said. And because of his, I, in my, in my world building, the sentinels impair, you know, propensity towards protecting guides. If he felt like he was actually upsetting Rodney, he would back off and not do it again. So, um, so actually, that's 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 why the fight was between Miko and Rodney, who are both guides. 
I can see that too, though. Miko and McKay. Yeah. Well, it was just a comment. It was just it was just a side comment about what Emma Shepard was like, and that um, Miko and Rodney had, had argued about a point of um, theoretical physics to the point that they were sent to separate corners, like literally separate corners. <laughs> <laughs> you go over there. You put your put your eye put your buds in. Put your <laughs> buds right. in. You're not talking to each other anymore. <laughs> My sister has designated corners in the house for all of her kids. And if they all get in it, they have to, they have to go to their corners. And in the corner, they'll have like, you know, like a book to read or, you know, whatever. Um, and a listening device and earbuds. So they have to put the earbuds in so they can't talk to each other across the room and continue the argument. <laughs> you know you could do if you wanted to put stargate with mcu what you could do is a dimension hop which is like the avengers like all of them before the all the atrocious stuff happened like in the avengers assemble that they get sucked through a portal or something and they wind up in this in the world where the stargate exists instead of um this stuff and they get involved in the, they find out the Stargate program. And of course they all get involved in the Stargate program. And uh, maybe Jarvis, a limited version of Jarvis is on the, um, is in the Iron Man suit and he gets uploaded into the SGC mainframe and just completely takes over and talks about their lack of security. And um, so if you wanted those two, that's I would handle getting those two cannons together would be like a dimension issue, a dimensional shift kind of thing, because otherwise it just doesn't quite gel. And I would, I think I would go the direction personally of the Avengers dropping into the Stargate universe because the other way, I think the Avengers would, you know, they'd want to, the Stargate people would be well equipped and they'd be accustomed to dealing with um, things like people from another dimension popping in, right? And they would find the, uh, they would have use for them in the program. So, it would all mesh well together. But the other direction, if the Stargate people just wound up in the MCU universe, um, the MCU universe, I think if anybody wound up taking them on board, it would be S.H.I.E.L.D. Not like, what the Avengers. If, what if at the end of season five, when they're getting ready to take the ship... Okay, so... In the theoretical Stargate movie that was going to happen, when the Stargate when the when the movie opened for the Atlantis movie, Atlantis was actually going to be on the moon, and they were going to be required to take it back to Pegasus because the ancients had set up a failsafe in it, which was ridiculous, to explode it if it ever left Pegasus, which is just the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. So let's skip that part. Now, what if, given enough power, they get off Earth? And they open up the wormhole drive to go back to Pegasus to do their damn job. And instead of going to Pegasus, they slip into another dimension and they're stuck there. And that with dimension a, just... With a giant space city. With a space city. And that dimension happens to be the one where the MCU takes place. Hmm. And if they arrived during the Chitauri invasion and the space city was well-armed... It'd be quite a way to announce their presence. I think that if you were going to write um, that, you would not 
reference to MCU comics at all because that would be weird. It would it would it would go into crack. I mean, you couldn't have you know Rodney running around. She go, holy shit, Iron Man actually exists. <laughs> yeah, that would be really cracky. Now you can do it, but I think it would be crack. I've seen it done. I think it's better to just hand wave away that that element. Like you know, you meet like actual Superman, right? You fall into a universe Superman exists. You don't go, oh my God, Superman. You know, you just, from the DC comics. <laughs> no, just, just hand wave away that they ever made. It's, it's the same hand wave we do um, about um, Tony Genozo talking about Magnum PI. There are episodes that before Magnum was launched on CBS and became part of the NCIS universe where Tony talked about Magnum as a fictional character, right? Um, and we just have to hand wave it away. I still maintain the fact that Michael Weatherly would have been a really good Magnum. I agree. But I also wouldn't have mind seeing him um, in a re... Um... Oh, God. What's that show? Was it... it was in the 70s. Um, I can't think of it. It's, it's just... Got... If, if I hadn't mentioned it, it would have, um, it would have come out of my mouth. Um, although if they, if they wanted to reboot Heart to Heart What was the story What was the show like I'm sure somebody came up with what, what it was called um, It was a cop show He wore a black suit um, I remember an episode specifically That there was a trailer on a beach um, So I think it was in California Maybe Los Angeles um, No it wasn't Kojak but it was in that era. Um, um, something files, something files. Rockford? Not the Rockford, not the Rockford files. Is that what you're thinking of? No, 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 maybe not. Let me look. Yeah, it had James Garner in it. He was a Los Angeles-based private detective, Rockford. Okay, yeah. that's oh yeah. That would have been. I think that would have been really interesting. That he could, if, if they rebooted Rock, the Rockford Falls, I think that would have been a really good vehicle for Michael Weatherly. Yeah, Magnum would have been my first choice, though. Yeah, mine far. too. But you know, since, since they did what they did with Magnum, um, and connected it with um, NCIS universe, so I think Rockford Falls would have been a really good fit for him. And um, of course, they could reboot Scarecrow, uh, Scarecrow, and Mrs. King. I wouldn't be mad at that as long as they got a good as long as they got a good good Mrs. King, um, right, right. Um, so I mean, but we we did it. We do a hand wave. We just kind of like mentally dismiss the fact, like when you see an old episode of NCIS where they mention Magnum, we just kind of mentally dismiss the fact that that's just a completely wrong comment because Magnum's not fictional. So. Um, I think I do think it's better to hand wave away that kind of thing than to, you know, go through the the inc in, you know incredulity over. Oh my God, you're Iron Man! I've read every comic about you. But please stop. That's the creepiest thing ever. That's worse than Phil telling Captain America he watched him sleep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you know what actually would be even better than a scarecrow and Mrs. King, a scarecrow and Mr. King. I wouldn't be mad. Just saying. 
it would be up to you to decide whether or not Scarecrow would be a male agent or a female agent. McMillan and wife. Yeah. I mean, they gotta reboot these shows. Why don't they reboot some stuff that would, with some meat on it? You know? I liked Moonlighting, too. Moonlighting. There's something Remington really appealing. Oh God, Remington Steel. Yeah, there's something very appealing about the detec the detective shows, the PI shows over a cop show. Right. Yeah, I, th I think it would be a an interesting. But I, you know, so. <sighs> so like John Shepard could be Scarecrow. So it would be like um, Scarecrow and Doctor McKay. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> Just saying. Columbo's pretty iconic. I can't really imagine anybody doing that role justice. Um, so. Yeah, I you know, I think probably there are a couple of shows I would not want to see be um, remade. MASH, Columbo, Matlock, and Quincy. Yeah, yeah. I'd never want to see Quincy remade. Um, and Mash is perfect just the way it is. They need to leave it alone. They never, they they never need to touch it. Yeah, some things just really need to be left. There have been plenty of TV shows that focus on military um, medical units. We just don't need to. Apparently, not not only is Joe Flanagan really nice in person, he also apparently smells fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because you know, there are some men that just smell really, really good. Apparently, he's one of them. <laughs> and there's your random trivia for the day. <laughs> Perry Mason's another one that I think of as being very iconic. But Perry Mason, more than some of the others, I could maybe see. If you get the really the right actor, you could maybe reboot Perry Mason. I could see that over, like, Columbo. Um, and I agree. I don't think you could reboot. M Monk is relatively recent, but I don't think anybody else could do that role. No, Monk is like that was that was a tour de force. I don't. I, Tony Shalhoub just he knocked he, it out of the park. Yeah, it's just it was some people. Some roles are never going to be able to be reprised. I mean, uh, and then that's just that's one of them. There is actually a Doctor Who crossover where um, the Doctor shows up on Atlantis and um, invites Shepard to be his companion, and he goes. Dude, what the fuck? Why don't I have this link? Somebody find that. <laughs> <sighs> she just she just lost her mind. <laughs> I'm gonna go find this fic. <laughs> the, the Stargate fandom is 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 large and buried. <laughs> Yes, they are. I don't, know, I don't know how long he stayed. But of course, you know, the, the doctor brought him right back to when he let, you know, when he took him. So, um, and that was, you know, because John, I, I, I can't leave. And he was, yeah, you can. I can bring you back and be like, you were never gone. <laughs> I need to read this. I, I think it was 10. I'm, I'm pretty sure it was 10. I think, you know, it's funny. I know that I, I have dipped my toe very minimally in the reading Stargate. I've, while, while I feel like I've read a lot of Stargate fan fiction, it's relatively minimal compared to how much there is. And 
part of that is because at, at one point when I was doing my read through of Stargate fan fiction, it was just, I was hitting all these super angsty plots and I would get like partway through and I would just kind of like do that heave ho over the shoulder going, no, you know, that's got to go. Um, that's way too, um, too angsty for me. And then I just kind of went, you know, I think I need to find a different fandom for a while because this is kicking my ass. So, but every once in a while, I, you know, I hear but, about a story. I'm like, I got to read that. But yeah. Um, that's one of my favorite stories, actually. I, I, I have to, it's somewhere in my links, but it would be really difficult to find, I'm sure. But I also really enjoy Where'd All the, Where'd All the Physics Go, which is a, um, a crossover where, where Ro John and Rodney end up in the Star Trek universe on the Enterprise. And Rodney I finds it to be a very frustrating experience because the physics don't work the same way in that universe that they do in his own. I want to say we have that link already in the link library. And engineering, Scotty, is baffling. It is baffling. He doesn't even know. He's like, what? I don't. And then he's like, this has this whole theory about why Kirk and Spock aren't fucking. <laughs> or, or why they should be fucking. I can't remember which one. <laughs> but it's called Where to, um, Where All the Physics Go. And it's by Amaral, I believe. Yes. it's on. I've got it. I found the link on Wraithbait. If there's an AO3 link, I I don't know about it, but I'll get it up. And Queenie had Queenie got it on on AO3 as well. I prefer an AO3. I actually don't like reading on Wraithbait, so yeah, I have to change the the template. I prefer Pirate Taylor, and for those of you who read on Wraithbait, you know exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> Thank you, Queenie. Um. So yeah, let's I have, talk about let, let's do, let's do a declassification plot. We'll go ahead and say what you were going to say. I was say I have I just have a I have a custom skin on AO3 that has you know the font at 180 percent, and I don't like reading anything else. I don't blame you. <clears throat> okay, so um, our first is is when our second is why. Well, I think. The easy thing to declassify around, the easy thing, is somebody notices something during one of these near invasions of the Earth. Well, the biggest near invasion of Earth is during the events that reveal the ancient outpost, um, where Jack O'Neill gets the ancient download um, for the second time? Or is it the first time? The second, because the first the time... The second was, is when he went to he went to the Asgard. Yeah, the first was when he was in the mountain. It was early, so the early, second. the early, it was earlier in the series, like in the first three seasons, I think, where mm -hmm. um, he got the head grabber, got him, and the he, fifth race. He was reprogramming the Stargate, wasn't he? Yeah, the fifth race. Okay. He built the device so that he could um, dial the, the gate to the Asgard. The second time he did it on purpose, he jumped in front of the head grabbers so it didn't grab Daniel Jackson, I believe. Right? Or he did it because they were they were going to be um they were they were being attacked and they couldn't pull it free in time, and then and they needed the information, so he jumped in front of it and and got the download on purpose because they were trying to find Merlin maybe or they were trying to something with the Ori. It was Ori, I believe. It was Ori related. Well, if that would be the no, that would be no, the, that no, was, no, that no, would, no, that was not Ori related. It was um, 
Anubis. It was Anubis. Was it? Yeah, yeah, it was Anubis. Because Ori is after Atlantis, so this this is this has to be Anubis. Um, then they take the the Jaffa ship and they go to back to Earth and they go to the the Antarctica and they drill down into the ice with the rings to get to and they put the and he uses the chair to fight off Anubis. And that is... Does anybody know what season that is? And there were a whole bunch of dog fights with, um, X, with, with the... Um, what, is, what were they? The X302s or something like that? Yeah, the X302s. Um, it's, so they're saying season 7. Um, which would have been... It's just like... the Basically, it, it becomes most of the backdoor pilot of Stargate Atlantis. Because they find the... Um, and Cameron was in a, a X302. And he gets... He gets shot down. Okay, so that was okay. So if 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 during that somebody noticed something, um, the inbound ship, the Gould ship, um, because stuff happening in space that's not cloaked, you, there's always the potential for discovery. I mean, you can also have something catastrophic happening in space and absolutely nobody notices it but there's the potential that somebody just happens to be looking in the right direction so what happens if something major is happens to be pointed in the right direction and sees those inbound ships and it gets broadcast out of course that's a very angsty way to declassify because people would panic lots of panicking um in what might have been the reason that um the program wasn't um, revealed during the Anubis invasion is because Miko Kasanji hacked the planet. And she basically held hostage anybody data-wise who got data on the ships that were in orbit. She hacked the planet to control the to control information and, uh, until the governments could get these people into their hands and say, okay, you're going to sign this agreement. You can't talk about it. It didn't happen. You never saw it. Because for me, that's really the only way that works in Stargate is that they are actively forcing people to accept and control and keep the secret as it gets revealed to different people. Yeah. I think that you could, I mean, if I were to do a later, like, post-season five kind of declassification, where things are a little bit calmer or whatever, I would, I think I would go with the idea of somebody just saying, you know, you could have a new president come in or something and say, you guys can't keep sticking people in dark holes who find out about this program. Too many people know. Because at some point, there becomes a tipping point where people right. who cycle, cycled out of the program, that they can't, they can't keep track of everybody who knows at some point, right? They, and they can't hold the people who work in the program hostage to it. So what do they do, right? You, you in the target program until you die. So eventually, there are too many people who know. And the monitoring of those people to make sure the information doesn't get out. And so they have, somebody has to do a risk analysis of the situation and say, look, it's going to get out. 
It's inevitable. It's better we control the when and the how than it gets leaked. So let's do a good job and let's figure out how to spin this. Um, and get like a PR team on board with how to let the earth the world know about aliens. Um, and of course there'd be like, you know, there'd be other governments involved because the United States can't act alone on something like that. Um, I, um, I don't know. Ari, I don't know. Of course, our current political situation definitely confirmed for me that aliens probably didn't land in Roswell, and there's really nothing in Area 51 but a bunch of old planes. Because if it was different, we would all know. Isn't that the damn truth? <laughs> in an episode in season six, um, the Prometheus had a reporter that found out, and they did. They were um, they made a deal with that reporter to do a film of. Um, that they would be able to use to when de when declassification happened. The ship in the episode were both called Prometheus. So that could be part of their plan, but I mean that's like the calm kind of way to do it, and is to do it like a a staged approach. They could even, you know, get a lot of film ready ahead of time. Um, to show people, if you got it already, you can you know, like release a YouTube video a day or something about the behind the scenes of the operation and da 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 da. And, um, I've only ever had an entire group of people who've been prepping for Doomsday most of their life will be. Yeah, I told you. See, I fucking told you. <laughs> Actually, I think it'd be more the people who had been claimed to be inducted by aliens would be the ones coming out of the woodwork going. See, told you. I was abducted. I, I was abducted by the Asgard. I'm sure of it. That's a class action lawsuit waiting to happen. So I, I mean, I've only <laughs> ever, I've only ever plotted one declassification story, and it was post season five of SGA. So, and it was a very kind of calm, orderly, staggered releasing of information. Um, and and there was some like unrest in the plot. Like I, I noted, you know, there's some unrest, but that it was relatively well contained because there was no immediate threat. And and that's, uh, that's the lower angst way of, of dealing with it. I think one of the things the MCU fell down, fell down on in this respect is the lack of what the fuck over the aliens. Like the, just, just the confirmation of the existence of aliens would tip Many people over the edge. Yeah. There would be a spike in people who are having anxiety disorders, people needing medication and therapy, which, you know, there'd be a snowball effect leading to like some addiction issues and um, suicide um, uh, and it, uh, religious zealots losing their fucking mind. Yeah. I mean, just the just the idea of aliens having the ability to invade the planet would really mess people up. I mean, you could, um, 
I mean, you ha I think you have to decide if you're going to do a, a declassification story, if you want to go the high angst or the low angst route. I'm not sure that there's a, there's a middle ground. Um, the I route wrote a once where um, John and Rodney and the rest of the uh, members of um, the um, Atlantis crew were brought back to Earth for a, for a press tour. And the de declassification had been going on for a while. Um, and John and McKay were... Uh, we're on a press tour, uh, you know, doing their part for declassification, and uh, and that's how John's family found out where he'd really been. And I think it was just his brother David at this point. So it's probably after um, Prodigal Son um, or Prodigal, whatever, whatever it was called, the one, the one where Patrick Shepherd was buried. Um, and uh, I remember that. In the story, David Shepard was just furious. He was furious with John for keeping the secret, for knowing that aliens existed and that, and that they were a threat to Earth and not telling him. And, and it struck me as a really interesting detail because I feel like that there are people who are working in the SGC that would have that to answer to. The people, the people around them would be absolutely unreasonable about it. I don't give a fuck if it was a secret. There was an alien invasion that almost happened and you didn't tell me. I could have died. There's an alien living a hundred feet from me and you didn't tell me. <laughs> or whatever, you know. I think that's a reality of anybody who works with anything that's classified. Mm -hmm. Like if you work on something where you like known terrorist threats, um, there's an episode of um, Criminal Minds where they think there's going to be a terrorist attack, a potential terrorist attack. I remember and, that uh, one. And Hotch Haley is thinking, in the pictures. Right. Hotch is thinking about, he, he's thinking about his family. I think Morgan encourages him to, I think it was Morgan encourages him to make the call and tell them to stay home. Um, but there's reasons why people can't do that. But the people who are in those positions, who take those oaths, they have to deal with the, the anger and the fallout of people saying, you should have told me, when the reality is, no, they shouldn't have. Because if everybody, if everybody broke those vows of secrecy, um, if they broke their confidentiality agreements and stuff, for family members or for friends or spouses or whatever, it program it would no longer be secret very quickly so and yet it, i think it is a reality that they would have to deal with those accusations yeah there's an episode of numbers just like that as well where there was a bomb downtown or something and charlie and um uh don knew about it they knew that there was a search going on and they tried to keep their dad away from downtown because they couldn't they didn't want him to get hurt um, which is an understandable thing, but there's a there's a, TV, a, a movie called I want to say it's called Contagion, where um, I want to say it was the head of the CDC made a call to his girlfriend to get her out of a city that was about to be put in quarantine and have her leave, and it, it was leaked. It, it leaked that he she what happened is he told her not to tell anyone that she needed to get out of town, but she couldn't keep it to herself, and she told her friends, and so her friends then leaked it to the press that um, the director of the CDC had been playing favorites with who he got out of, I think it was Chicago. And it wound up being a huge issue um, and a huge panic occurred because the, the information about the quarantine was leaked. And then it wound up being a publicity nightmare that um, 
somebody in that position hadn't hadn't maintained uh, the classified nature of what he was doing. So I think it's realistic that the people in the, the personal connections would be angry, but the people who keep those secrets aren't doing anything wrong. No, they're just doing their job. They're, they're doing what they're, what they're, they're doing their duty. Hmm? Which is that they have to make the, a difficult, it's a difficult, it's a sacrifice that they have to make. And I think everybody in the Stargate program would have to be prepared for the sacrifice that they have to make about knowing at times that their friends and family might be at risk and not being able to reveal what they know or how they know it. And, and I'm sure it's drilled into them. You do not, I don't, it doesn't not, it doesn't matter if, if Apophis is knocking at the door, you don't say anything to anybody. But I think it's a reality. I think that's actually a very good point in that story, even though I haven't read it. Um, I think it's a very good point that if there was a declassification, that people would be mad. Why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you say something? But the thing is, what if they had said something? And I think that's the, that's the part where logic falls down, right? Is let's say they had said something and say, hey, there's going to be an alien. There's an alien invasion in this week. What are they going to do? What is the person, the family member, the brother, the father whatever what are they what are they going to do um they're going to suggest a psychiatric evaluation first right but what but what they're not going to leave the planet to avoid the evasion invasion so there's nowhere to go right it's it's that's like so it's like okay now you know there's going to be an alien invasion that we we've got motherships inbound i'm telling you now what what are you going to do what about you, it what are you going to do you're going to get in a nuclear bunker what are you going to do Nothing. You're going to do nothing, but now you're going to panic because you know when if you hadn't known, you'd just been going about your life. Go back to that old question is, if you are if you were going to die in five minutes, would you want to know? Oh, that's a weird question. Um, or if you were going to, if, if you had 24 hours to live, would you want to know? I mean, I, I yeah, probably if it was, if, if, if it was something that just, I couldn't, literally couldn't it, I guess it would depend. Honestly, it would depend upon what 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 the cause of death was. And that's the truth. Because if it was just going to be a um, bad something bad, you know, bad shit's going to happen to you in a few hours or whatever. I, you know, I'd like to say goodbye to some people. That's be my. I, I like to say quite a few things to quite a few people. Um, <laughs> so I'd be like, well, it depends. How much time do I have? Do I have enough time to like? make a couple hundred phone calls or do I have enough time to drive to the next state or is it like five minutes from now? Cause if it's five minutes from now, I don't want to know, but I can't do jack shit with five minutes. But if you give me 24 hours, I could be cussing out a lot of people in 24 hours. I could let a bunch of people know exactly what I thought of them. Um, there's a few people I would like to threaten. That would be great. But, and one or two people I'd like, I'd like to take with me. There's a movie called, um, DOA, I want to say it was in the 80s, starred Dennis Quaid. Um, and yes. he finds out he's poisoned or something and he has like 24 hours to live. And he spends that 24 hours figuring out who killed him. And it's that's the way it's presented, right? Is he whoever, you know, whoever he talks to, he says, I'm fig I have to figure out who killed me because that's the way he looks at it. And it is the truth is somebody had, po I think he was poisoned. I mean, there's a few things that kill you slowly, like, um, 
he wasn't, it wasn't ricin, but like ricin's also would be like a slow poisoning and there's no hope of cure. And he was, it was in that same kind of thing where, um, he was poisoned, but he had about 24 hours before he died. And that was so weird to have a protagonist in a story. The, this guy you're identifying for with and rooting for, and you know he's going to be dead by the end of the movie. It's just, but it was a good movie. It was a good movie. Don't get me wrong. It was a good movie. Um, but that's what he chose to do with his last 24 hours was figure out who killed him. Well, I wanted to figure it out, but mostly I wanted to know who it was so I could take them with me. Because I'm that yeah. bitch. Yeah. You're going down. Saying. You're going down, motherfucker. That's the way this is going to happen. Which reminds me of that line in Tank where that farmer is up in his house and those cops have surrounded it. Have you ever seen Tank? It's got, it's mm -hmm. got James Garner in it. He said, My wife and kids are gone. <laughs> <laughs> he said, I will take a few of you with me. <laughs> Don't take that threat idly. <laughs> he has cleaned out his house. He is ready to do business. <laughs> That's actually quite it, it's it's when so, if in that kind of situation, it's like, okay, he's really thought about this threat. He's removed the things he cares about. He's removed his vulnerabilities and he's armed himself. Is this really a fight you want to have? <laughs> Think hard about this. Okay, so which which way would you go with declassification? Would you go with... Well, well I'm, a, I'm an Atlantis writer, so it would definitely be Atlantis-focused. Um, and <laughs> you know what? Here's a little physics for you. There is no fucking way that city landed where it, it did the Ugh. way it did without causing some serious consequences. I'm just, I mean, I appreciate the Stargate show, Stargate Atlantis, not destroying the Golden Gate like every fucking movie and TV show does. But, but the reality, it should but, have. It should have. Maybe not destroyed it, but I mean, the water displacement. Water would have rushed over it. it I mean, yeah. there, there would have been a tidal wave. Yeah, it would have Probably been. more than one. Um, so it was it was horrendously um, uh, irresponsible to to do what they did with the city, and it, it really should have been landed. I mean, the first time I saw that they that they that they were saying that they put the city in the San Francisco Bay, I just went, "You're fucking kidding me, right?" <laughs> it doesn't work that way. Just not a good idea. This is this is this is a bad idea for San Francisco, on par with letting dinosaurs loose in Northern California. So. We'd appreciate it if you wouldn't. Bad idea. And since so, I would like actually for the city's um, cloaking device to fail. Oh, that's interesting! Giant floating city. But really, I mean, the, the San Francisco Bay is pretty large, but the city is pretty large. So, the likelihood of them being able to hide it. In the San Francisco Bay, is a little ridiculous. Well, and the bay is so carefully monitored by scientists. Um, yeah, Atlantis is the size of Manhattan. Um, well, she's googling. But also, um, 
that's even if you manage to put it there, okay, you did it. Let's say you managed to put it down so carefully and so gently, and it sank into the into the ocean so slowly that that all you had was water displacement over time and not the the bay is very carefully monitored. So it, the odds of scientists for it not noticing um, the effects of a giant fucking city sitting in the bay. So apparently um, San Francisco Bay is uh, 1600 square miles um, and it is 60 miles long and in 12 miles wide. At its maximum width. 12 miles wide. That doesn't sound big enough. I'm over on Wiki. Okay. So they say it's the size of Manhattan. So let's just see how size Manhattan. Um, Manhattan is 22 square miles. At its widest, Manhattan is 2.3 miles. It's 13 miles long and 2.3 miles wide. Yeah, it's not a matter. I mean, it fits, but that's considering um, a little over two miles plugged into, what did you say, 16 miles? Mm -hmm. That's the water displacement would cause a tidal wave. A huge one. Mm -hmm. San Francisco would be a... um, It would would be a disaster area. Atlantis is closer to round, though, so it may have the same square miles. The square acreage may be the same as Manhattan, but, but it's, it's not not the same shape. So it's not gonna it's right. gonna be wider than two miles. It's not it's not two miles by thirteen miles. It's probably closer to I don't know six by six or something. But I'll say so. It, Somewhere it, in that range, it wouldn't fit. That's the thing. Is it just that's just the bottom line? It ain't gonna fit. I think it would have probably been better to to um to drop it in the Atlantic. Probably not very far from Norfolk. I mean because Navy base and they'd be able to control the waters there a lot easier. Yeah. Or, you know, California. Near 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 another, uh, yeah, the north the the North Atlantic I think would have been a better option, and if not that, then probably um, like California, like the other side of the of California, like not down near San Diego, right? Um, and if they if they brought it brought it down like way offshore, um, and then slowly brought it in, they wouldn't have to worry about the displacement of it landing in the water. But the other side of it is, is that it would still interfere with traffic. So I don't see how it could have stayed there even a week. Yeah. And 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 remained a secret. In reality. Well, I don't think that the um, now while the IOA might not have had a problem with um, the 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 city being put on the tip of South America, I'm pretty sure that um since it's basically run by the U.S. Air Force, that it was always going to be in America's waters. Not not even in international waters, as it probably should have been. You have to land very carefully outside of Hawaii. Um, 
but I also think that it would be yeah. It, I, I think that that realistically, being the powers that be, would would want it to be as close as possible to in in order to maintain control of it. But the, but the closer they are to the land, the the more likely they are to have caused an immense tidal wave that would have destroyed people and property. Very energetic tidal wave. Oh, that very energetic. I mean, it would have gone in shore for quite a long space. It probably honestly should have realistically wiped San Diego off the map. I did the math on it for Lumera, um, which is the ship, which is the, the, the city ship that um, they find in uh, in Sentinels of Atlantis. And it displaced in the water three times as much as a um, as a navy ship, and that much water displacement in a violent altercation because it wasn't just like they sank down into the water. Yeah, aircraft carriers. Lady Holder, help me with that. Um, it was it was like. Phew. It was boom. <laughs> Neither John nor Carson excel at kissing the water. <laughs> a very gentle kiss. Like a leaf on the water. No. No. The water displacement would have been outrageous. Let's just put it that way. Yeah, so they didn't, they just didn't deal with. So, okay, so their shield fails and, uh, and they're noticed, but probably more like off the coast of San Diego rather than the San Francisco Bay because that was always ridiculous. Right, I agree. Maybe they lost, maybe they were moving it out because they were going to lose their shields and they were hoping to get out far enough to control that, but didn't. Or it could be an act of sabotage. Sabotage? Like somebody I like wants the idea of sabotage. Somebody they get like a trust agent or um an idea. Am I? Let me disconnect. Might want to check your mic sensitivity as well. Are you back yet? Yeah, uh, it's all the way up. Okay. Um, You're you sound better already. Sometimes you just gotta. It's a pain the server again. But they could, um, somebody could want declassification um, for some political agenda, some country, some country in the IOA. It could be as opposed to the, if you didn't want to do the whole tried and true trust slash NID angle, you could do somebody in the IOA wants it declassified for financial means or always. Um, good reasons that uh, it'd be, because it would be a boon to the defense industry if the declassification. People would have no problem getting defense spending through. We have to defend against a potential of alien invasion. Um, so anybody who makes weapons uh, would have incentive to see the program declassified. It's actually pretty much a miracle that it wasn't declassified through a leak in that direction anyway. But it, considering that how um, how many uh, politicians and often uh, leaders uh, high, the high echelon of the military are sort of all about defense spending. But um, you could have a, you could be a sabotage thing. A representative from the IOA uh, gets the shield shut down. 
And then there's this giant floating city right out there. Well, so, so then you have the discussion. Okay. Do we tell them we found the lost city of Atlantis and skip the whole part about the Stargate and the aliens? Or do we tell them that we found the lost city of Atlantis on another planet in another galaxy? But that it may have used to have been on Earth. We think it was on Earth for a while. Yeah. So we didn't Questions. exactly we didn't exactly lie. We just omitted the part where it went to another galaxy after it was on Earth. It wasn't lost to the water. It was lost to space. <laughs> it didn't sink. It rose. It did sink on the other planet. It was totally underwater on the, on the other planet. Right. But it was sunk deliberately. Yeah. Well, you know, it's always, <laughs> I kind of, I like the idea of po politics, but I like the idea of something personal. Like, someone gets really pissed off about being, about not being allowed to stay on Atlantis for some reason or another, or they want to stick it to somebody on Atlantis and they want to blame somebody else for what happens. And so they... Yeah, I mean, it could be Kavanaugh, it could be Keller, it could be, you know, anybody that, you know, trips your trigger. It could be an OC, um, you could do um, some crazy Marine wants to stay on the city, but they're pulling most of the Marines off, and he's pissed off, so he so he destroys the generator that, that that's the shield generator. Well, Ford's dead at this point in canon. Um Probably. But also, that whole plot line was getting rid of the one the most prominent character of color on the show by making him a drug addict. Yeah. Can we not? I mean, could they have attached a worse cliche onto that? The guy who a, a more obnoxious McKay's one. sister um, is dead. What if it's something, I mean, because I like to put weir in the role of the antagonist, even if it's not direct. Um, what if it's somebody, what if it's somebody that was loyal to her at the IOA and wanted to see the program burn? Because she, somebody knew something. She, she somehow, she had something on somebody at the IOA. Either that or they owed her big ass favors or somebody just really loved her or something. No, Kavanaugh. The no. reasons for revealing that city. Money, politics, um, personal conflict, jealousy, revenge. Yeah, it could be. Um, Harley, that is my new favorite word. <laughs> Wonder snatch. I can't wait to use it. I'm so excited. So which way would you go with the, so you said you like personal motivation. So whose personal motivation? You could do somebody that was close to Keller, somebody that was close to Weir. Um, well, Keller's still on the city. Um, well, if Roddy's not with her anymore, she could be spiteful about that. Um, it could be someone who was close. It could be someone who was close to Sumner. Yeah. Um. What if it was an what if it wasn't an attempt to bring down the shield? What if the shield was a byproduct was an accident? It was collateral damage. What if it was an assassination attempt? I'm gonna reset myself because you're still jumping and I don't think it's you. So I'll be I'll be right back. Okay. Okay. Well, Patrick's dead at that point. 
Um, not that you couldn't in fix canon. any in canon. Not that you couldn't fix any of this stuff if you wanted to, but it could be interesting if it's an attempt—not an attempt to bring the shield down, but maybe an attempt to kill somebody, or maybe it's an attempt to kill everybody on the city, or to discredit somebody, like oh. set it up so it looks like Rodney's responsible for what happens. Yeah, it could be that they didn't intend to bring the shield down. I kind of—I kind of like the idea of it being an accident. Like it wasn't their intention at all, but it was the byproduct. It was the, the collateral damage as the shield came down and the program was exposed. What if... So the Russians have Nakoda ability, but what if someone in the IOA wants a Nakoda generator, but the SGC is not willing to part with one and they pay somebody on Atlantis to unhook one and bring it to them? And they inadvertently pick the one that's attached to the generator that's running the fucking shield. I like that whole string of the string of events that has a really bad but unintended consequence. Because anybody bringing the shield down on purpose is aiming for declassification. And then you have to figure out why. What motive is sufficient to declassify the program. Todd is, I think Todd is on the city. Todd being Todd. But why would he want to take a generator? I think the last thing Todd would want would be to have his circumstances even further exposed. Because here's the thing about Todd. Um, Todd is a hostile alien um, and he's in the custody of um, the military on this planet and if he, he does anything to expose this operation he's exposing himself to the I mean how long would it take for somebody to say hey you know what we, we want to experiment on that alien you got yeah and then suddenly there are orders from the Department of Defense to take Todd off the city and take him to Area 51 and, or wherever because they tried to do it to Tilk at one point. But Tilk works for them. Ronan works for them. Taylor works for them. But Todd would be an enemy, an enemy combatant. And also, unlike with the Jaffa, where they could spin the Jaffa from a PR perspective, if they wanted to protect Tilk, right? They could they could spin the Jaffa as a, in a positive way, as a sympathetic figure to the public, right? They can't do that with the wraith because you don't want the public thinking that any a wraith that shows up at your door might be a might be a, a you don't want them thinking a Jaffa would be either technically, but you would not there there are no benevolent wraith, right? So they I like to think that John would kill Todd before he would give them give him over as a living um specimen for experimentation. A lab right, yeah. He'd be like, look, dude, this is what's gonna happen. So halfway through the gate room, you and Ronan are going to tussle and you're going to break free and I'm going to shoot you in the head. Unless you'd rather be experimented on for the rest of your unnatural life. Because I wouldn't want to be experimented on. I No. You know, I don't think Todd, I mean, I don't think John would hand Todd over. I mean, no matter what's happened between him and Todd, John's, John's not that person. 
Well, they can always um. The, see, the thing about the wraith is, is, it, is if they can't feed, they don't die. They go into hibernation. So all he has to do is hibernate. But I don't see John willingly, um, willingly participating in any kind of medical experimentation, considering what's already happened to him physically. I think I think that's a step too far. So when you, when you make a decision like this for your character, you have to look at their ethics and their um, their moral compass. And I wouldn't personally want to write a character as a good guy that would turn anyone or anything over to somebody to an organization for medical experimentation. No. So the John Shepard I write wouldn't wouldn't do that. He'd kill him first. Oh well, you know he escaped. It was, but here's his body. I mean, you're welcome to take samples. <laughs> take it all. I mean, they had done lots of, of autopsies on the the corpses of the race, so that's not anything out of the norm for the show. Ordinary, and it it's, it would be expected that they would be looking for any potential weaknesses. Um, and Todd is is different, I think, because wasn't he um, experimented on by um, Michael, or is that my head cannon? Was he? I don't remember. I can honestly say I don't remember. The last two and a half seasons of, of, of SGA I've only ever seen one time. So, And that's when they aired. So it's been a long ass time. And I've, yeah. I've I only missed. watched them when they aired too. It, 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 I, was, I was too pissed. I, I've I missed a lot so of sleep. But with... Was like, where was my, my brain just rebooted. <laughs> Stolen back when the generator breaks the breaks the shield. Yeah, I agree. I think. I mean, I think it's bad for Todd to be publicized in any fashion. So I don't think that Todd would do it. Uh, and if and I think if John had any inkling that he might, I think John would have a conversation with him. Your situation is going to get a lot worse if the world finds out you're here. If people outside of the SGC find out you're here, I, I think it'd be as close to a come to Jesus meeting as John Shepherd is capable of. Like, look, you need to keep your mouth shut and your hands to yourself. Because you are way outnumbered here, buddy. And my ability to control what, what happens to you is practically zero. Mm -hmm. Unless you'd like me to kill you right now. Although, frankly, honestly, I don't know how or why he didn't put a bullet in Todd's head the moment he could. Well, the asshole that. tortured him. I agree. That never made sense to me. But none of their, their shenanigans that had to do with the Wraith or the Wraith didn't wind up dead immediately. Upon, uh, dead on sight didn't make sense to me. So They think we're food. Right. Which is why, you know, in the horsemen, the first thing the shepherds do on the city is go through and kill all the wraith that are there. It's the first thing they do. Well, I mean, they have some other people, some Marines round up the people they're going to arrest, but the first thing they do is go off and kill everybody. They they quickly backed away from that whole telepathic thing in canon. But when we first meet the wraith, they're not only capable of telepathy, tele telepathy but they're also capable of creating um, visual hallucinations to disorient their prey. Yeah, the guy who played Hauling also played Todd. 
Do you know the very first fan art for Stargate Atlantis I ever saw? Ever. And I wasn't looking for fan art. I, I hadn't even read a... I don't think I'd even read a story in Stargate Atlantis. But I'd seen the show. Right? Um, and I don't remember where I saw this. But I was scrolling through somebody's art or something. Or somehow there it was. And it was it was obviously art for a Todd John story. Oh, God. It was very... I mean, I've seen them. I've seen the pairing listed. But I wouldn't read it on a bet. I was like... Did is is Stargate Atlantis not what I remember it being? Because I mean, I mean honestly, it's honestly no better than falling in love with your rapist. Yeah, as far well, as tropes this, go, I will never forget this piece of art because the feeding hand was in use. <gasps> I think so, personally, Bug John would have ripped Todd limb from limb. Yeah. So my first my first encounter with the Stargate Atlantis fandom was that. And I thought, these people are messed up. <laughs> that was my first thought. But, you know, sometimes you just run into the wrong thing Ugh. up front. So I'm sorry that was your welcome to my fandom. <laughs> but Bug John was also very territorial. And aggressive. And I don't think he would have tolerated Todd for a hot second. I completely agree. Or or any other race for that matter. Because he considered Atlantis his nest. You are in my territory. You're not going to make it. So we have someone stealing an aqua generator for money to give to somebody who was told no by the government. Maybe it's a private, maybe it's a contractor or whatever. Somebody who was told they could not have a generator wants one find somebody on the city to pay to get it and they pick the wrong one because they're not a scientist i think a scientist would know which one they could take and which one they couldn't oh i agree so it's got to be somebody military so i would or, use an oc or some other it could be an ioa inspector or some other civilian on the city um it could be what other civilians on the what other civilians are there on the city? Well, but I mean I think it's reasonable that they could have gotten some civilians in to do some things like plumbing, electrical. I mean, it never made a ton of sense that they had like, you know, it has come up in multiple fanfic, but like why are there a bunch of theoretical physicists on the on the city that needs plumbers and electricians? I understand the plumbing thing, but not the electrician thing, because I don't think you can compare um well, the okay. electronics that we have on Earth with the electronics that the ancients well, use since they use crystal technology. So at least an electrical engineer then. Yeah. Um, and definitely a plumber. Probably an architect of some kind or a structural engineer. Um, but, that, but again, those are all people I think that would be totally aware of which nuclear generator they could take and which one they couldn't. If they would even have that kind of access so it had to be somebody who didn't know what they were doing when they got down there, but had the access to get down there. Which you come back to, it's got to be military. Yeah. Either that or, or you had to have certain access to understand which generator was being used for what. And maybe it wasn't. I don't think the Chinese would have to. I think the Chinese relationship with the Russians in SGC, in SGA canon and in SG-1 canon 
would have made it really easy for them to get one regardless because they're part of the IOA. So they have the plans. The NACO generators, they probably have NACO of their own. Um, so no, I think it has to be um, somebody who doesn't have connections to the IOA, someone who doesn't have the ability to um, politically wrangle one free from the SGC. Yeah, you could just pick um, some member country that has less influence. Blame Canada. I'm just kidding. It's a terrible South Park reference. Terrible South Park reference. Blame Canada. But I do think that it would have to be... um, I mean, you could you, you could use a, pro, a, a private government contractor, someone who, um, and yeah, industrial espionage of some kind. Um, and you could have the government be super, super competent about the whole thing going, yes, we've had a plan in case there was a significant leak in, in place for a variety, which, because in reality, they should, right? They should have a plan in place for a leak, right? Um. Well, surely they do. I'm sure they have. Okay, so this is what we're going to say if the aliens invade. This is what we're going to say if Cheyenne Mountain gets destroyed. This is what we're going to say if somebody leaks pictures or footage of the Stargate. You know, I, I imagine they have all kinds of contingency plans for, you know, different scenarios that might happen. And, so they could do the worst case, which would be an, 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 an overwhelming alien invasion. So they wouldn't be scrambling to try to um, get a, a PR package together because somebody's caught a Manhattan-sized city off near, near the coast of San Diego, so near the coast of California. So, um, so you have to assume that the moment they found out that Atlantis was on Earth, that someone immediately sat down and started writing up a plan to what would happen if the city was found by a civilian. Or if the city's location was revealed. Or if the city itself was revealed. I mean, it would have been like the first... Like, there was somebody. that That's their job. Yeah, probably somebody in Homeworld Security that says, Okay, Atlantis is coming to Earth. All right, just in case our, our things don't go according to plan. Because when do they ever? Um, we need a plan in place for um, if, if somebody sees Atlantis. So let's get on that and have... You know, multiple plans. Chop, chop, people. I would not use Daniel Jackson. I wouldn't use Daniel Jackson because Daniel Jackson um, is known outside of Stargate as a crackpot. So you don't put someone like Daniel Jackson in the front of declassification for the Stargate program. You frankly put someone like Sam Carter. She's beautiful. She's brilliant. She's highly decorated. Um, she's personable. She's articulate. She's going to look good on camera. She's instantly America's sweetheart. The woman who helped save the world. That's how I'd frame it. Look at this blonde, blue-eyed beauty saving you and your babies. These are her teammates. Ignore the gold. (laughs) He doesn't want to take it out. It's a symbol. <laughs> I don't even know if I see Daniel. We're, I'm just I'm thinking about Daniel. I don't even, just this is my perception of Daniel, okay? I don't know if I even see Daniel as someone that they would even consult about declassification 
contingencies. They might ask him some questions and stuff, but I think his viewpoint would be too skewed to figure out how to deal with city, you know, planetary panic. Um, because aside from all of the stuff he's been through, in a lot of ways, to me, he always still read a lot as an optimist. And these kind of contingency plans are always about the worst case scenario. I mean, he is such an optimist that that kid basically tears him apart to show him how how wrong he is about wanting to 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 have him in his life and and raise him. Charay's kid, the the what's it? Yeah, the he has to teach Daniel. Har, har, yeah, the, the Harcesis child. He has to teach Daniel Jackson um, that even he could not handle all of the knowledge that the Harcesis has, and that this knowledge would corrupt him. And so, even after that experience, I don't think Daniel Jackson would be. Um, in some ways, maybe that experience would have made him to the point where, oh no, we can never declassify. Absolutely not. Never. So he'd have gone from, oh, it'll be okay. It'll be fine. People will adjust. People will adapt to no, never. I think Jack would be worse. Because I think Jack thinks the worst of people most of the time. Yeah, Daniel would definitely need, um, he would have to be like, he would have to retire off planet. Because he'd end up being some kind of religious figure if he didn't. Yeah. Yeah, he'd have to go to Atlantis because people would be trying to hunt him down to teach them, you know, ascension or he'd be treated like, you know. I think that I think that whatever team in Homeworld Security or whatever or at the Pentagon or whatever that that is sitting there making these contingency plans. I don't think that they would actually take Jack or Daniel's opinion much into consideration because neither one of them have the the, the perspective to give um, it, this is just my opinion. People would have different v viewpoints on this, but um, I think that by the time it gets to that point, that they would all be giving marching orders from this team. Okay, this is what you get to say. These are the mission reports we're going to release. These are the things that you are absolutely not allowed to say ever. Dr. Jackson, are you listening? You can no. never say these things. Ever. I think that that scenario would be the case regardless of which declassification, which way the declassification came out. I think it would go that way, that this team would be coming in and saying, this is how we're going to do this. This is what you're allowed to say. And they probably would even keep the mountain on lockdown until they had time Everybody's to go on the same in. page. Right. And make sure that people understood exactly, you know, they'd be cut off until it's like, because the thing is, once the word is out, everybody in the Stargate program is a security risk until they can, if it, if it gets out in a way that's a surprise, as opposed to a planned declassification, everybody in the program is now a risk because the information that they've been told to keep classified is now basically it's out there. And they could unknowingly say the, the absolutely wrong thing. So I think they would put every single per they put the whole mountain on lockdown there'd be a gag order until that they could get people in and make sure every single person understood what they were supposed to do and jack and daniel would be like top of the list of people that they'd want to talk to no you can't talk about the alien who lives in hollywood and runs a show never never yeah. mention him we don't want to talk about what's her face um hathor 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 is not to come up 
under, we don't care what interview you're doing, what, what the press tour is, you do not talk about Hathor, it didn't happen. And while we're at Dr. Jack, you were never ascended. It, yeah, they would, I think they'd really lock down. You were down. off world for a year on a reconnaissance research mission, then you came home. Maybe we well, lost you for a little while, declared you dead by accident, then you came home. You were never ascended. No, nobody, to our knowledge, since the ancients did it, nobody has ascended. And while I hate to say it, we can never discuss Loki of the Asgard. <laughs> no. Because I don't know who these assholes would be suing, but I think the only people they can sue is us. So no, Loki of the Asgard was never here. It never happened. Because all these nutbags who claim they've been abducted by aliens, some of them probably were abducted by Loki. So, General we are... Neil, where is your clone? <laughs> the clone is currently on Atlantis in the bay. And there is no clone. That's your that's nephew. That's your, that's your, your or, nephew. or illegitimate son. <laughs> No, I don't, you know, honestly, I know that they, he dropped him off in high school, but I don't think for a minute that he actually went to high school. Now, just imagine this 50-something-year-old man in a 16-year-old's body, 15, 16-year-old's old body. The first time one of those little girls flirted with him, if he was any kind of decent man, he would have been absolutely disgusted. How the hell does a right. man that old go to school? And he'd be uh, bored out of his mind. Somebody asked, could he be the way sabotage happens? He who? Queenie says he looks too much like Jack to be his uncle, his nephew. That is utterly not true. Um, I have two nephews and a niece. And my mother found a picture of me and my sister that looked like... Now, we, we were little girls, but we had short hair because we ran, we ran around a lot. And we were dressed in boys' clothes because we were we we'd been running around playing. Um, so in this picture, we look like my two nephews sitting on the steps. I mean, when I first saw it, I was like, "How did so? How did they?" I looked at it again. I said, "That's me." <laughs> She's because I thought it was my Padawan. That's how much he resembles me. People actually confuse that kid with my child. So, yeah, it is perfectly reasonable that Jack could have a nephew that bears a striking resemblance to him. It, it really just depends on how strong the, the family genetics are. Well, and, and which which combination of DNA, how it shakes out, right? I mean, yeah. like I, I, um, I'm the only one of my siblings that has dark eyes. Um, and neither of, my, neither of my parents have dark eyes. So, I mean, it's just, it's, I caught some... Actually, dark eyes are a dominant genetic trait, but considering that both my parents had light eyes, I should have had light eyes too, but no, it just didn't come out that Not way. Not only so. that, but I also bear a striking resemblance to an aunt that passed away before I was born. To the point that when my grandmother got really old, she confused me with her dead child. Oh, weird. Because by the time my grandma got old and started to die, I was the same age my aunt was when she died. And if you looked at pictures of me at 19 and pictures of my aunt at 19, you would be hard-pressed to say who was who. We don't look exactly the same, but if you didn't know what I looked like at 19, you might assume that her picture was me. 
Yeah, my grandfather, maternal grandma, grandfather's sister is who I look the most like in the entire family. She's the one I look like. And so, yeah, it's just never know how, whereas both my siblings look a lot like my father. So you never know how genetics are going to play out. So he could definitely claim that kid as his nephew. And I don't think many people would blink. Although some might think, you know, ask, are you sure? You didn't mess around with your brother. You got, did you have a brother? <laughs> um, also, so the, the the idea that was floated was that Jack. Have a nephew if you don't have a brother. Mm, so the, the idea that the idea that was mentioned in the pod in the chat room was that could Jack's clone be the person who does the sabotage? I don't think that any Jack would sabotage the program. I I I'd have a struggle to come up with a reason why clone Jack would. Get the, would do something to ensure the program got declassified. Twy says that she, that she found pictures from her husband's side of the family that were over 75 years old that looked like her kids playing dress up. That's creepy, actually. <laughs> Those two cousins who look like identical twins are kind of creeping me out, too. Yeah, they, yeah they're, they're kind of creepy, too. Um I saw a picture, um, or, or a painting, actually, of a woman from the 1700s um, that I was on tour um, in, in, a, in a historical house in here in the South. And um, I, I come across this picture, and I was looking at it, and I was looking at it, and I was looking at it. And the tour guide operator kept looking at me, too. And finally, somebody else in the group said, are you related to this family? And I was like, not that I'm aware of. But she looked like me. And they tell you, you have a doppelganger. There's like two or three people on the planet who look who look exactly like you. Yeah. Um, I never run across so, it. There's probably been looks... people in the past who looked exactly like you. I mean, it, it has to happen. Our genetic code isn't that varied, actually. Um, but it was, it was creepy as hell. It was creepy as hell. Um... <laughs> I so, also met, I didn't meet her, but I met her boyfriend because I was in a club one night and I was getting my grief thing on because I was young <laughs> and I had a grief thing. <laughs> it disappeared. Anyways, um, and he comes up and he grabs my arm and says, what the hell are you doing? And I was dancing with this guy and I'm like, who the fuck are you? And then when he got close to me, he realized that I was not his girlfriend. His girlfriend had blue eyes. I don't. And he said that was literally the only thing different about us. That's kind of disturbing. We had different color eyes. And um, she worked in a mall, like in a town over from where I went to college. And um, I, one day I went over there, I was going to meet her, but she wasn't working. And then I was like, no, I don't think I need to meet her. <laughs> That'd be really weird. I call my mom. Mom, I'm not a twin, right? You had told me if there was like a parent trap thing going on, right? Because I'm I'm in college, and you can tell. She's like, no, you're not a twin. I wouldn't have given my other kids that asshole I used to be married to. I was like, well, yeah, I kind of figured you wouldn't, but <laughs> there's this girl in this other city who apparently looks just like me. <laughs> I had to make sure. I'm not gonna lie that I did eventually when I got a birth certificate. I did check to see if I was a twin birth because I was like. See, making sure she hadn't doctored it. <laughs> I was a single birth. Are you there, Jillian? Mm-hmm. What are we doing now? Um, I agree that a clone Jack would not do that. 
Um, I imagine, considering his circumstances, the Air Force is taking very good care of him. Um, and he's doing whatever, you know, whatever he wants to do, as far as that goes. And I don't see him... Jack O'Neill had a lot of personal honor. And that would be a very dishonorable thing to do. And just because he's a clone doesn't mean that his honor took a powder. Yeah, I agree. I think that I think that he would um I'm I've actually read it may have even been in one of your stories. I'm just I've seen this more than once where the clone ultimately winds up on Atlantis. Um I've done it and so has and so has Lady Holder. I've seen it more than twice. Yeah, I've seen it enough that it's like it's like edging it like trope hood. Um and I actually think it's a good a good idea that because of what he knows that he would be an asset and also I think he'd be bored, so bored. Considering the life he's led, um you either go the you either go the route with the clone that he is just relieved to just be away from it and being able to build a new life that has nothing whatsoever to do with aliens, or he can't let it go. In which case, Atlantis is a really good place for him. And we also know that Jack O'Neill has a really difficult time letting anything go. <laughs> it's just that, not in his DNA. <laughs> that too, of which they happen to share. So with all of those memories and all of that experience, and I would think that it's something that John would find valuable, um, or really anybody would, is he'd be an asset. He's in the second wave in um, Lantean Legacy. Um, he shows up as part of the... Um, O'Neill sends him out there. Um, and he is... I don't think he's mentioned at all in Ties That Bind. Um, and he had, and he will be showing up shortly in Sentinels of Atlantis. But in Lantern Legacy, he's part of the same um, wave as Lorne. Lorne comes out, and um, Baby O'Neill is is one of the one of his renegades. <laughs> yeah, and um, Lady Holler did it in Slow Side of Indifference. Um, I'm thinking the story. One of the things that stuck in my head is there's a story where Clone, Clone Jack is on Atlantis, but John doesn't know he's there. He finds out. He finds out. This is at least this is a scene that's in my head, and I can't give you any other context for it. Um, but John, it, it, he John is told in person, I think, by General O'Neill when they come to Earth or something like that, that the clone has been there um, since the second wave. That's not me. But it's it's I find it to be an alluring idea if you're going to do something the with the clone. Is, I, I always name the clone Nathan O'Neill. Um, so, and he's known in the program to be what he is. Well, yeah, not always. And and what might have been he was um he was a secret because of the trust. So, and he, and he's Jimmy. Um, and what and what might have been. My husband, uh, you guys can't hear him, but he is downstairs having the biggest hee-haw about something. I, he's laughing his ass off. He's entertained by something. I have Very. to. I have to mute for a second. I'll be right back. Okay. Okay. Uh, Jimmy was never supposed to be a secret. Um, 
in in what might have been. But I cut the scene where he was revealed to John and didn't recognize that I had done it until after I had ended what might have been. And I was like, well, there, there came a point when I knew that I had done it and people were trying to guess who the clone was. Um, and many people guessed correctly that it was Jimmy. Uh, but it was never supposed to be a secret. I just cut it out during editing and, and never put it back in. And then when I realized, I really didn't have a good place to reveal it. And then I ended the series and I was like, well. <laughs> now I gotta do that. <laughs> so, oops. Yeah. I've been thinking about uh, what I want to do with... Um, hold my coffee and where I want to start season two. Um, Cause it's never been so much about the events of um, that around them, but their relationship. Um, and so I was thinking about actually starting hold my coffee season two with them returning to earth for the debrief. And um, I, I, th I think I want John to be reco reco recovering from an injury. Uh, and so um, Meredith takes him home to Patrick Shepard um, after the debrief. And um, she has to deal with all those family politics. <laughs> <laughs> As one does. <laughs> yeah, it'd be a full year's time skip. So, so I can just, I can see, I can see how that would work out. Can you just imagine McKay, a female McKay, trying to, to work her way through Southern social politics? <laughs> there's nothing quite like a bell, okay? <laughs> and there's got to be more than one in Patrick Shepard's family, and it would just be fantastic. <laughs> Are you back? I'm back. She's not back. I thought no, I heard I her. I am okay. back. I was talking about what I might do with um, the, the the second season of, of, of Hold My Coffee. And how I wanted to do a big time skip and have them come back to Earth to debrief. And then, you know, John to take or Meredith to take John home because John's injured um, and he wants to go home to Virginia. And so they go. <laughs> <laughs> just trying to imagine how she'd respond to that kind of environment. <laughs> well, she did pretty well with the sh with the with the shepherds in Hold My Coffee. She did, she did in 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 her own space. Um, but um, I was saying how there's probably more than one bell in in um, in uh, Patrick's family. You know, a grandmother, an aunt. And I just. I'm trying to figure out how that would, um, how that would work out. <laughs> a lady of the South, yes, a Southern Belle. Like maybe he has a cousin getting ready for a debutante ball, and Meredith is like completely appalled because <laughs> she had no idea they still did shit like that. <laughs> uh. I think it'd be funny and terrible all at the same time. It'd be great. I'm not saying I was ever a debutante, but there were several in my family. John's not that dumb. 
<laughs> John wouldn't be laughing. He would be praying. <laughs> praying. Please. Do I have enough bail money? Do I have enough cash in my wallet <laughs> to get her out of jail? Dad, can, can, can you send Aunt Mildred home before <laughs> Meredith has a stroke? No, we're going to stay in a hotel for everybody's sanity. We are not staying in the family home. <laughs> Meredith compares a debutant ball to a bride auction. <laughs> it isn't. It isn't. I mean, it it looks like it kind of looks like one from the outside, but a, a debutant ball is is basically coming out. It's like saying that you know that that the the debutantes are that we're we're ladies now, you know, and yes, they do wear dresses that look suspiciously like wedding dresses. <laughs> they are of the age of dating, and they are um they are available for ro romantic for chaste romantic interest, as my aunt liked to put it. <laughs> Yeah, it's an introduction, but it's also quite ridiculous. It does look a lot like in a lot of ways. There's a lot of the trappings of a wedding, but um, yeah, especially since this is, this is typically with wealthier families in the South, you know, that are that have a certain standing in society. They're certainly not looking to marry off their their 16, 17, 18 year olds, you know, no, that, that's not what's going on. Although, you know. I was like, well, I'll do it if I get head jewelry. I said, I'm serious. I'll do it, but I want a crown. <laughs> I don't want the era. I want a crown. <laughs> I'd be like, I want a diadem with like a giant sapphire that sits right between my eyes. I don't want a sparkly barrette. I want a crown. <laughs> Could I be more clear? Dun, 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 I still dun, want the crown, to be perfectly honest. In the um, appropriate title to go with it. <laughs> but, okay, I, I do like the idea of an accidental reveal. I think it'd be very interesting. Um, there would be a lot of uh, running to catch up kind of moments, which would be kind of fun. Um and there's lots of room for Rodney to be a sarcastic asshole, which I really appreciate. Yeah, I like the idea of the, um, and I would be more SGA focused as well, because I have never really written SG1 outside of just incidentally. Um, I mean, there's sort of an SG1 component in some of my stories, but it's certainly not a focus. But um, I think I would probably do something in episodes. Um and do a, 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 an intentional reveal, like a planned reveal, uh, where they hit that tipping point where they go, we're going to just have to let this get out. And then focus different episodes on maybe different characters and different fandoms and how this whole thing affects them. Um, and then, like, you could, I could go back and forth between, like, Stargate people or show that show, like, episodes where they're interacting with their families afterwards or interacting with old friends or um, I think I would probably go more that direction. It'd be um, a lot of fun. I, I, would, I would like to read that. I like the idea of Rodney actually going into the one interview saying, okay, I'm going to fix it so they never interview me again. The SGC is going to 
send me back to Pegasus, and I won't have to deal with any of this bullshit anymore. Like he he go he goes in there with that. He he goes in with it, but America loves him. Like he's a complete asshole the whole interview, and America loves him. The planet loves him. They love Rodney. They want to know all about Rodney. <laughs> And what if what if they just won't believe anything unless Rodney tells them? They're like, if Dr. McKay tells us, we'll believe it. Well, what can Dr. You get, McKay think of this? Can, do, can you get Dr. McKay to issue a statement? I'm sorry. And like in big press conferences, they're press person. And he goes, does anybody have any questions? Well, is Dr. McKay available for questions? Because our readers find him credible. <laughs> it would be like that Mark Wet. It'd be like that Mark Whitney, uh, Mark Watley fic. Um, with the potatoes, like the whole yeah. world would be like, well, what Dr. McKay say? <laughs> Can we see some more Dr. McKay's experiments? Can we read his mission reports? They have to be really good. <laughs> and he's just like completely appalled, but also quite proud at the same time. <laughs> Do you have a YouTube channel? <laughs> and Rodney would be like he'd be so pissed off he'd be like no I am not and they'd be like you brought this on yourself you deviated from the script we gave you and you went and had to go make the press corps and the United people of the United States fall in love with you and now they don't believe a damn thing we say unless you say it so if you don't want to go and talk to the press we expect daily YouTube videos they found your honesty refreshing. So now you and get to be honest on a regular basis on behalf of the Stargate program. Rodney start the first YouTube video like, so like you fucking idiots find <laughs> me the best face of the SGC. And he'd be like insulting. It's like, I don't know what's wrong with you, but now this is my fucking job to tell you guys the truth. And here's the truth they want me to tell you today. And you could look down at the pages and go, oh, that's complete bullshit. I'm not telling you that. <laughs> so it, so this is what happened when the Nubus invaded. <laughs> this is what actually happened. Good God. I don't think it'd be an emo blog. I think it'd be more like a rant vlog. And Rod, be what, Rodney's be the, daily bitching session. He could have the most followers on YouTube, right? Is it, very quickly. Like his videos crash the YouTube server, and every morning he puts up a new video. Okay, today they want me to talk about, but you know the thing is, I can't talk about this and actually stick to the rules they gave me. So we're going to talk about something else. <laughs> just look it. <laughs> and then it just cre you know it creates more. How problems would you kids like to know about wormhole mechanics? And then suddenly he'll have requests like, Dr. McKay, can you do a, 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 a show on this without cussing? Because we want to show it to our third graders. <laughs> Never mind. We'll just censor out the bad language. You just do you. <laughs> you, just get, you just do what you want. Um, yeah, that could be really good. Now, I did plot a story. Uh, I may have even written a little bit on it. I'm not 100% sure. But it feels like there's more to it than just the plot document, but it could have just been really detailed notes um, where I've talked about this before on the podcast, I think where Tony joined the SGC early on at his tenure at, at, at NCIS, like season two or season three. And um, it, the people at N, the, the story would be told through the lens of people at NCIS finding out about Tony being on Atlantis when declassification happens. 
it was sort of a, a Abby runs up and goes because they upload information in pieces like piecemeal, right? So they get um, like team rosters for the Atlantis reconnaissance teams and Tony's names on it. I like that that the president is forced to reveal re- repeal DAD. But I don't tell. It would be funny, like if Roddy sit down and says, "So I'm supposed to be talking about this today, but what we'll talk about." is the American military's archaic policy against gay people serving in the military. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about the men, the men and women in the Stargate program who lived and died for your, for your lives and how they are not allowed to love the people that they want to love. And then he just have a really serious conversation about it. And people get so fucking outraged. <laughs> you made Dr. McKay sad. <laughs> He's in love with somebody in the uniform. You need to fix this. There's Twitter campaigns. <laughs> Free Dr. McKay's heart. <laughs> There's 3,000 petitions <laughs> and some from other countries. Like, why? Why is Argentina? <laughs> Asking us to reveal, don't ask, don't tell. <laughs> I don't know why I picked Argentina. Are you still there, Jilly? I'm here. Did she go away? No, she... I'm here. Oh, okay. What are you doing? I'm listening to you. Well, yeah, yeah, my husband is probably downstairs. No, he isn't wondering why I'm laughing. He knows exactly why I'm laughing. Ronan was on the city. Ronan and Taylor both were, but Taylor's son and her her man were not. So so Taylor's so Torin is still in Pegasus, which is really sad. I kind of like the idea of the whole internet like being on, on fire because Rodney's in love with somebody in uniform and John's like brooding around the whole city like who the fuck is McKay got a crush on? <laughs> He's just like furious. <laughs> Did you ever read that fic where, jo- where John where, where Rodney comes to John's, um, to John's um, apartment on the city and he's not wearing a shirt but he's wearing somebody else's pants and so John spends the whole day like with Rodney cursing the pants and calling whoever owns the pants a whore because he thinks that you know Rodney's hooked up with somebody and, and, and took their pants by accident. <laughs> and they end up together, but we still never find out why he's wearing somebody else's pants. Well, that's an oversight. The mysterious case of the third party pants. Well, we're, I, I, th- I think they actually ended up being Lauren's pants, but you don't know why he has them. And McKay refuses to discuss it. <laughs> the, the, the pants were Lauren's, the shirt was John's. <laughs> but John's internal monologue about the whore who, who's given Rodney these pants is hilarious. I have definitely not read this story. <laughs> I think the opening line is that those are those are not Rodney's pants. It's very close to the beginning of the story. If it's not, it's 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 it's, it's very cute. I'm pretty sure I read it on Wraith Bait. 
But it's probably made to AO3 by now. I'll look for it later and give you a link. If somebody doesn't come up with it while we're on this chat. So you'd want to do episodes. I think episodes are actually a really good idea. That gives you compartmentalization, but it, and it says it, but it also allows you like lots of POVs, right? Because I mean, it, declassification is really m- most interesting. I mean, it, it's like a one episode shot, or or unless you're doing some kind of blowback or something from the SGC side, um, it their 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 piece of it's over with after a point, right? Unless you're doing like the whole Rodney Rance video series, but their piece is very quickly over with, and then and then what? So it, the results of the declassification become more interesting from an outsider's point of view, I think. And you could you could we could you could thread in a lot of fandoms, um, or even just look at the effect on friends and family. So I think that would be uh, probably the I, I probably want to go the approach of planned declassification as opposed to. Um, but I, I like the sabotage angle, but I think I would just, just for variety but here. There will also be some really, op- there's opportunity to discuss people who were lost and what really happened to them. Mm-hmm. Instead of just their families being told they were MIA in, in, in classified situations. Um, I mean, and the, the men and women who died in Pegasus, their bodies are never coming home. So... The only body they ever send home on Atlantis is Carson's. Is that a choice, or do we just infer that that's what happens? Everett did. Did Everett actually die? Well, he died back on Earth, right? Right, but he was alive when he was t- transferred off um, off Atlantis. But that's the only time we ever see a body being removed from the city. Is um, now the the first time there are deaths on the city, they don't have a way to send bodies home. Um, when those Marines are killed by the Janai during the storm. Right. Unless there's a morgue on Atlantis, they had to do something with those bodies. The one that John shot, Marshall Sumner, he was left on that hive. Yeah. They didn't bring Sumner's body back. But yeah, I think it's, I think it is inferring that they don't after once, once they written, you know, got contact with the SGC. I think if they had the bodies, they probably would ship them home. Right. But a lot of them, a lot of times when you think about the reasons people were dying on Atlantis, a lot of times there wouldn't have been a body. Yeah. You know, if, if somebody died on an alien world under a fire, they're probably not going to be able to bring that body back. I think that's the unfortunate reality of that. So yeah, it could give, it could be an opportunity to give people some closure around, um, the death of their loved ones that they find out the truth. Of course, that could open them up to a lot of lawsuits, but, you know, they could have a, a Supreme Court ruling, you know, like basically in the wings on that one. I don't know how, um, I mean, can you sue the government for your loved ones dying in action? Um, not for their death, no, but uh, especially if, since, if, especially if that's what they signed up for, but I don't know where the line is around all the lies and stuff around, you know, especially if I, they ever ever did anything hinky about not disclosing what really happened to somebody. Like if they gave them a this person, if they gave them a, like if they ever tried to get out of paying benefits, which is something you, you could see the government doing, right? Is like trying to get out of paying benefits by saying that the person did something dishonorable or something. Um. I would hope that the Stargate program wouldn't do that, but you could you could write it that way. 
angry family member who was told that their their kid did something or screwed something up and they got themselves killed when in reality they were killed by a wraith um could be really angry and be looking to sue and they may not be able to get very far with it doesn't mean they wouldn't try but hopefully this savvy pr team that we've been talking about um has had the good sense all along to say you got to be careful about the lies you tell now because they will come back to bite you in the ass later if you're doing shady shit. I think shit. it would best be, be, be very simple. Um, your your loved one died in action in classified um, circumstances that we cannot discuss, and I am so sorry. Which is what they should do. It doesn't mean that that's what they actually did. Right. But it's, yeah, I mean, that, that's that's what I think would be the better choice. Yeah, in Lantian Legacy, um, Bates' younger brother comes to Atlantis because um, Landry um, did some shady ass shit, and I and I picked on Landry because I don't like him. I don't like him either. <laughs> I just don't like him at all. He seemed kind of like a dick. He seemed not like a used car salesman, but yeah. not the fun kind like Mayborn. Like the kind yeah. that sells you a shitty car. He just, he just was, meh. I don't know. I don't know what it was. I mean, my, my disliking of Landry was almost instantaneous. Um, I think the first time I remember seeing him in it was actually that Stargate episode when they returned the first um, episode of season two. And I was like, I hate this guy. I absolutely hate him. It was probably not even, it wasn't thought out. I actually didn't put any thought into it at all. I just knew I hated him. You're furiously typing. What are you looking for? I was um I was thinking to myself that that was actually Caldwell that they said that about that that John said that he liked um, Caldwell better when he was snaked, but I guess it might have been Mayborn. It might have been Mayborn, but I thought for some reason that that might have that happened in a different. There's no, I don't remember, but yeah, yeah, it was definitely what might have been. <clears throat> but it's been a while since I've read that fic, and I have the memory of a agitated squirrel. What that happened and what might have been. Well, I think Caldwell, too, was also kind of a polarizing character for a while. But he got better. I, for me, Landry then never got Ellis better. Was the, then, then Ellis was the problem. Yeah. Well, at least for McKay. But um, to me, Landry never improved. I never liked him. I never started feeling any. It's because sometimes, like you know, you do dislike a character at first, at first glance, and then they grow on you. Um, but Landry never did. Not even when he grew old. In that one, okay, the the pants story is called "Hot Pants" by Lally Broach. Those were not Rodney's pants. It, it's on Live Journal. That's a movie. The good, 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 good Google foo because it's really hard to come up with the stories that are. Buried deep on Live Journal. Yeah, good job, Desert. That was awesome. Very funny story. Those were not Rodney's pants. John's running commentary about about the whore those pants belong to will, will never not be funny. <laughs> the whore. <laughs> so I think that I think there's a lot of opportunity with. Um, like this kind of story to do something that's relative, not completely unexplored, obviously, but relatively unexplored in 
um, like there aren't even any particularly big tropes, I don't think, around declassification because for from my reading, it just hasn't been done enough. No, no, no. I mean, I guess because it is complicated, and it is a heavy topic, and there is, you know, there are so many ripples to take into effect. And but I think if you take it apart and and do the episode thing, it would work really well. I like the idea of John having to come back to Earth to do, um, to to do his part and being like, no, <laughs> I really don't want to do this. Can I resign at this point? No, Shepard, you can't. But I really, really want to. Who's going to wrangle McKay if you quit? Well, we have we have we have priorities. I mean, there, there's a nobody wants to wrangle McKay, but Shepard clause here that we have to address. I mean, we don't know what he would do. John could be also like, well, he is dating that woman. <laughs> that that, <laughs> that woman. woman. <laughs> be all 16 year old girl about it <laughs> oh my god can you imagine if the program started trying to fix john and rodney up because um that somebody gets a, somebody gets the impression that the the reason and for whatever reason however they come about this uh, this not false impression that john is probably going to leave the program because he's got a he's in love with rodney and he can't have him right because rodney's with that woman and <laughs> <laughs> that so, like, woman. <laughs> the PR the PR team starts trying to engineer things so that they can get together and it becomes a whole thing. Like you could do the whole story from the perspective of the PR team. Um like, you know, mission get McKay and Shepard together. <laughs> they could have code names. <laughs> and they could be like, look, McKay is mission critical. And the only person who can deal with him is Shepard. Shepard's thinking about leaving because of that woman. Um, There'll be some asshole in the room. Well, can we kill her? <laughs> is is no. that on the table? No, we don't do that anymore. That's one of the side. That's one of the problems with declassification. Is we can't just randomly kill people anymore. Those and they could just be all mournful. Yeah, those days are gone. It was good, the good old days. We could just drop people in a dark hole. We didn't like them. You know, send them to an off planet. Is it too late to put her at that that base, that Icarus base? Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, that ship sailed. But they could just be so, um, um, like reminiscing about the good old. Remember the days back when we could just make people disappear? Yeah, which could all be very badly misconstrued if somebody ever overheard them. What in the world is wrong with you people? Nothing. We're just trying to figure out how to get rid of Jennifer Shepard. Not Jennifer Shepard. Gee, dear God, Jennifer Keller. That was a very bizarre slip. Yeah, I read the fic where Tarlin, um, where Lauren kills Keller because um, Keller's existence is making his CO unhappy. Um, unfortunately, there's a sequel where they they get her out. <laughs> he didn't really kill her. He just locks her in a room so she'll starve to death. <sighs> And unfortunately, she gets rescued. Well, that's no kind of... That's just an unacceptable outcome. I can think part two didn't happen. I can think part two didn't happen. So Lauren's a sociopath. Is, is the... No, he was under some kind of influence. Oh, is it? do you find out in that story that he was under some kind of influence? No, in the, you find out in the second story. That he's uh, that he's been under some influence, and of course she's so freaked out by the idea 
that there was somebody on the city willing to kill her because John was unhappy with her that she leaves the city, which is, you know, smart not move. quite as viscerally satisfying. But we'll take what we can get. She's gone. That's the important part. Right. It's still a win. And John's there to console Rodney. John's good at that. I know it's rough that she's gone, but do you really, how long did it take you to notice Rodney? <laughs> Wasn't it like four days before you noticed that she was missing? The first so are, time. <laughs> are you really, are you, are you really that sad? I just, I, I feel like we need to like get some perspective on this. How would you like a hand job? <laughs> or, or a blow job. If you'd prefer something a little bit more, you know, mouth on intimate. <laughs> We can we can help you relax, etc. Operation Get Shepherd to Blow McKay. <laughs> but I do like the idea of the PR team like being on board with that, like being on like being total shippers. <laughs> They're on that ship. They're going to go down with that ship. <laughs> well, they could be strategizing how to get, and they they couldn't. Maybe they don't know it at first. That one person's like, "We got look." Shepard's thinking about resigning. We just can't have that, and we got to figure out how we're going to get him to stay. So, what do we do? And they get to talking about it. One person goes, "Well, you know, he's got such a the observant person is like, well, he's got such a boner for McKay. Wouldn't it help if McKay was single?" And somebody's like, "He's got a boner for McKay. Are you sure?" And then everybody starts thinking about it and goes, you know, now that you th say it, I'm pretty sure you're right. <laughs> Maybe that would work. And then, yeah, and then they start shipping it. And they're like, oh, yeah. And people could, <laughs> people could wear, you know, they could have like little secret McShep t-shirts that say underneath it, I ship it. <laughs> <laughs> And like nobody knows what it means. Sasha <laughs> bit. Like, sorry, if you're not the know their fellow team members. Yes. <laughs> I ship it. They have little pins. You see, you said that, and you you said peg ship, and you obviously meant Pegasus, but that's not where my brain went. I thought to myself, well, John wouldn't have to use a strap on. <laughs> John doesn't need a strap on. <laughs> Dude, that is actually like... <laughs> what? Am I the only one that went there? I can't be no. the only one that went there. I mean, I read a story where there was excessive strap on use. I was like, but it, it's like, I, it just didn't actually, and in the context of the story, it didn't actually make a lot of sense that there was all this strap on usage. Because um, I kept wanting to know what was wrong with this one guy's dick, but apparently nothing. They just liked using really giant dildos. I guess large object insertion was a thing that particular day. Don't ask me. I just work here. But I, I got questions. I, oh, I got Lord. questions. So if a dude wears a strap on. <laughs> yeah. And he's sexually aroused. It would it would be a problem. It, it would, would be, be uncomfortable. Very I mean, is it does does is, is the dildo hollow? Is he is he putting his dick in the dildo? And if so, no. I mean, not as written. And believe me, believe me, that was like the least 
wrong thing. The least, the least troubling aspect of that was actually the use of the strap-on. It was... I mean, yeah, if he's not erect, I could see, but just the logistics of putting on a strap-on and being able to use it, if you've never had one on... Um, well, no, this clearly was a thing, but I mean, it's like, still, you wouldn't want to... It would, It'd be uncomfortable. It would be deeply uncomfortable. Like I said, the that the impracticalities of the strap-on was not the weird aspect of that particular story. And I honestly can't say more because it's a very distinct thing. So if somebody were to... Yeah, I mean, I don't see how it could be set higher than the hips and actually be able... You, you would have a difficult time fucking somebody with somebody with one if it's not... I mean, your hips are doing the work. Okay? Right. Um, so if you're wearing a strap on, your hips are doing the work. It's just it's just going to be uncomfortable. That's just the way it's going to... It's so unless his dick is in the dildo, it wouldn't be very functional. And if they had written it that way, I, I it still would have been, like I said, it still would have been, at least they would have made the mechanics make slight, slightly make more sense. But it's still... I make all of my assumptions based on reality. No, it wasn't double penetration. It was a very large dildo. That's not what I said at all. Isn't what you said. I'm saying that if you're wearing a strap-on as a dude, the actual physical dick would be in the way of the strap-on. And in order to use a strap-on, it needs to be at the hips because your hips are doing the action. Unless you're laying flat on your back and somebody's riding you, then it really doesn't matter where the, di where the dick is strapped on. What I'm saying is, is that if the person wearing the strap-on has a penis and it is erect... It would be deeply uncomfortable to have a strap-on in place. That is all I said. I made no reference to whether or not a real dick is sexy or, or not. So, don't put words in my mouth. <clears throat> Although dick is sexy. And honestly, so is my vibrator. It's Getting, getting off is sexy. I mean, it's that's... An, it's an ELO. That's an... Uh, Lilo... Uh -huh. Lilo, I'm on board that train. Um, I didn't make assumptions based on reality. There was no double penetration. I'm the only one who knows what story I'm talking about. That it was completely improbable what was going on. Well, here's the thing about the Asgards and strap-ons. If they don't have penises, peni, do they have vaginas? I, I mean, or, I would... I, I would think that they would have, like, some... I might, you know, just guessing. I'm guessing it's a little bit more like being a, um, like a lizard or something, where you have a multifunction. Mute myself for. A wow, she went away abruptly. Um, but I would think that that would be the whole Asgard genital situation. I don't think that they, I think that they're not interested in sex. Otherwise, they wouldn't have cloned away their, uh, their, their parts. That at least that you know at least that seems like a logical assumption um but they probably do have some sort of multifunction something going on down there um i know i agree bella being uncomfortable isn't sexy well i mean i guess unless you're a masochist right <laughs> like you might really get off on that um although it's an interest that's a kind of a strange setup for um 
masochism. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, they don't really, I mean, I don't think, I don't, you guys who know, um, who know Stargate or remember, perhaps I should say, remember Stargate canon better than I do, um, might have a more insight into if, I don't think they ever really gave a good answer on what the Asgard's whole sex situation was, did they? Yeah, well, we know they procreate by cloning, but I, I don't think anything about their anatomy was really discussed in the in the show, other than the fact that they clone their bits and bobs off. So, I mean, it, with the lack of information, I think that you could easily conclude that they, and since they reproduce by cloning, that hmm, you could. You could conclude, you don't have to, but you could conclude in a, a, like an aromantic society completely um, that they don't, I don't remember if there's anything in there about like relationship attachments and stuff. Was that ever addressed about relate, not just procreation, but just like relationships? They don't appear, they don't, we don't really get anything about the Asgard social structure. And I'm sorry for that. My mom called and it's like 1243 at night and my mom was calling me. So you know, <laughs> you got to take that call. Yeah. <laughs> when your mom calls you after midnight, you're like, I got to answer that. <laughs> but as it turned out, she had just um, wanted me to check to see what credit card she'd used to make an Amazon purchase on my account. <sighs> Sometimes when a mom wants to know something, she wants to know it right now. She doesn't really care what you're doing, but she did ask me, oh, I didn't wake you up, did I? But she didn't sound upset by the possibility that she had. Well, there you go. But um, no, but I don't yeah, we don't really learn anything about the Asgard's anatomy or their social structure. All we really learn is that they 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 clone themselves into extinction. Yeah, but I mean, so you could write that they have still that they have romantic couplings, or you could that are not clearly not sexual, physically sexual, since they've removed that those elements from themselves um or you could write an aromantic um asexual society i think that they're i think because there's so little information you could go either direction with them yeah we did see two um two ancient asgard that they were far more um humanoid in appearance than what we saw of their it was obvious that, that their cloning situation got really out of hand. <laughs> but really, when you think about it, the Asgard are really no different than the ancients. The ancients sought immortality through ascension, and the Asgard sought it through cloning. Or maybe the furlings, maybe the word fur doesn't mean hair in their language. Yeah, the assumption of hair. Um, we don't ever see the furlings, right? No, I didn't think so. So the assumption of hair is a little bit odd, but, um, so the furlings, um, I know they've been explored some, um, there's a, there's an S, there's an, uh, Stargate, um, a Sentinel crossover, like actual Sentinel, not a Sentinel guide AU, um, where I think Blair is a furling. I, I may, I kind of remember that. Does that sound familiar? Like, like his mom brought him here to earth. Um, she escaped that, her people. Yeah, that's where his abilities come from, is that he's a furling? So, yeah. 
I, I remember that kind of. Um, I've also read an SG one fic where they that Furlings was actually a a um, a bad a bad translation that they're actually failings. F A E L I N G S. Oh, like the Fae. But like F U R, just because it's F U R, it doesn't mean that it has anything to do with, you know, fur. Yeah, you make the assumption of fur based on our definition of the word fur. That doesn't mean it's their definition of the word fur. Right. That's like saying that, you know, calling someone an earthling is calling them a dirt <laughs> a dirtling, <laughs> which isn't <laughs> <laughs> which is, you know. Not at all. It reminds mean. me of um, the Andorians of Star Trek who called humans pink skins. Mm. Or called some humans pink skins. Huh. Bella says in Latin, fur means thief. Hmm. So I don't have any way of finding this 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 story. Um, if anybody is wondering about it, um, who listens to the podcast, about the one where Blair is a furling, um, if it's no, if it doesn't wind up in the link library, it's because no one came up with it. Uh, but if you happen to know what the story is, you could direct message it to me or whatever, and I'll put it up in the link library. But I wouldn't even know where to begin looking for that story. <laughs> I mean, maybe I read the, Vala is a furling. It'd be interesting. I mean, you really could take any kind of like a, like um, a variety of characters could be like a furling on earth or you could have several furling on earth or even if they don't know that they're furling and maybe the furlings didn't go extinct but they they blended in with the earth's population mm -hmm. like like the ancients did that might be the story ellie but i'm i think the only in the story i'm thinking of the only known guide was blair but um so it, maybe there's another story out there where guys are descended from furlings. So if you happen to know what that story is, uh, a link would be great. Huh, okay. I definitely haven't read that. Yeah, the one I read was definitely about Blair Sandberg. But it was a long, 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 long time ago. Like before I wrote The Awakening, I think. So somebody says, or come back to Pitch Black. Um, the Furians. The Furians, or the, I guess the Furlings. Uh, which, I mean, you'd have two nearly extinct races, or Furlings are supposed to be extinct, right? So, um, and the Furians were supposedly nearly knocked out. Um, I have a little bit of a hard time doing Contemporary Earth with Pitch Black because, yes, ostensibly the um, Earth could be that cut off from the rest of the universe, but it seems improbable. Yeah, I wouldn't have read that, Ellie. Not if it was marked appropriately, and the first indication that that was going to happen in the story, I would have closed it. I'm squinting, because I don't... Yeah, no. I really, I don't... The, the idea of, of those canons of contemporary Earth, any kind of contemporary Earth canon merging in with um unless unless Riddick's time traveling the pitch black um any kind of contemporary fandom just doesn't work for me because i just i can't reconcile why why the earth would be that cut off from everybody else so because it's full of immature assholes 
Yeah. But you could do like a time travel thing or a dimension travel thing or, you know, Riddick is that desperate to get away from the necromongers that he'd go literally anywhere, um, anywhere, anytime. He'll just jump right into that portal and see what happens. Riddick encounters the guardians of the, um, the, the guardian in Star, in Star Trek and goes, yep. Okay. Or why yeah, not? Where, wherever you want to send me. Just as long as it's away from these assholes. <laughs> these guys are just complete buzzkill. The Guardian is, you could actually even give the Guardian a voice and say, well, we've got a few choices. And you can start giving him choices. Like, you can go here. And they got this going on. You know, these people are fighting these creatures called Wraith that eat people. They eat people. Well, you know, not the whole person. They just kind of suck the energy out of them with their hand. They eat people. <laughs> and Rita could be like, all right, I'm I'm on board. Do, do, do they, can I kill as many as I want? You certainly can. I'm and pretty they sure they'll let you kill all of them. And they could add okay, that could be send a, me there. And they could actually dump him down on a planet in uh, Pegasus. And the the expedition encounters him when he's he maybe he rescues their butts right when they get overwhelmed by Wraith and he comes in and like just cleans house, cleans so much house. And I'm like, do you want to come back to Atlantis with us? It's like you guys okay. don't, you guys don't do crazy things and have some weird religion, right? I just gotta check because <laughs> I just got away from a bunch of religious nuts, and I'm not on board with doing that again. <laughs> and if I go with you, I can come back out here and kill some more wraith, right? Because that's why it's like, can I keep him? <laughs> I want to keep him. He can share the, my room. This one's mine. <laughs> I wouldn't be opposed to sharing your room. <laughs> <laughs> I really and Ronnie would. could be like, no one is opposed to sharing his room. <laughs> okay, so this this is the one you were just talking about, Ellie, that Kara nor I would have read, right? Okay. Okay, so I'll I'll put it in the link library, but I'm gonna tell people to mind the warnings. Is it worn properly? Yes, it is. I think it's easy to mix science fiction fandoms, just like it's easy to mix fantasy fandoms. Like it's really easy to slap Harry Potter down in um The Hobbit or Lord of the Rings. I mean, it's really easy having done it. I didn't think it would be. I was like, mm, do I really want to put two fandoms together where I am going to be scarily verbose? Yes, yes, I do. <laughs> And it worked really well. And I think that you can do that with fandoms where um, there's an element that they share. But when there's too much of a divide, it's weird. And you're like, you're side-eyeing the fig, like, how the hell? Are they going to reconcile getting those worlds together? Would Firefly and Riddick cross over well? I think it would depend on how willing Mal was to rescuing the Riddick, <laughs> rescuing the Riddick from the Necromongers. <laughs> see, I don't see those cannons as being particularly compatible because, considering the the force that was the unstoppable force, you have two different, completely different, diametrically opposed unstoppable forces, right? I don't remember what the that kind of government conspiracy group 
the, the people who were ruling everything. I don't remember what they were called in Firefly. I'm blanking on it. I know this. Um, I know. I know what you mean. Um, but um, I think but you that- can't. You can't have them and the Necromongers. Not the Reavers. No, no, no. Um, You can't have them and the Necromongers both basically ruling the galaxy. It doesn't work that way. So it would be like the Parliament and the Reavers Necromongers fighting each other so much there wouldn't be room for anything else. Right. The destruction would be overwhelming. And based upon the technology... If you were at all realistic about it. Based upon the technology, the the Necromongers would win because they had planets... They had things that destroyed planets. So... Yeah, it would be ugly. So I don't I don't see how the nominal I just don't see I don't see in some some canons don't gel well together even in, even in a similar genre and I just don't see how you could reconcile the differences between well, Firefly. Well, 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 wait. Um, did they actually say it was separate universes because the Milky Way and the Pegasus are galaxies? We're all in the same universe. Now there might be another universe. Who who hand waved in a separate galaxy? <laughs> yeah, where Rod lives. Yeah, <laughs> the author. Lost. Sorry, completely so lost. So you're saying that Riddick took place in one galaxy and um, Firefly took place in another galaxy, and they crossed paths. Well, that's how the MCU keeps Earth out of space galactic politics because um, they're in Andromeda. All the major aliens and everything going on, that, that's all in Andromeda. Unless you count Captain Marvel. And I think even her planet is originally from is in Andromeda as well. Well, not her planet. She's from Earth. But you know what I mean. You know what I'm saying. Yeah, the Kree. The people who Pretended like she was part of them. Um, yeah, it's just, it'd be a little bit difficult to recognize when you've got a, a big force like the Necromongers or the government institution that created the Reavers. I can't remember what they were called. Um, they, um, in the parliament. Is that what they were called? That doesn't mm-hmm. gel. That's not resonating in my brain, but I guess so. Okay. Um, but when you've got like big, 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 unstoppable forces, the alliance, like that, the, alliance. the alliance. Thank you, Reaper. Reaper. Um, the alliance, the alliance, and the and the I can't see the the alliance and the Necromongers in the same universe. It just isn't not in having I mean, the alliance how much, be the dominant. Okay, force. so the, the the Necromongers they basically wanted to clean out the universe of life um, before they went to the Underverse, right? That was their mission. So the universe. Con- the universe. Convert or die. That's really ambitious. <laughs> you gotta appreciate that kind of ambition. I mean, it's terrible. But also... It's also terrible. I mean, it's like really, 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 really terrible. You see these things, and I, there, there are certain things that I could read at, I mean, and enjoy as a reader that I could not um, write. Because I get bogged down in the ripples and the ramifications and the consequences and making it work. But as a reader, I can often overlook that stuff. Stuff I can't overlook as a writer. Well, and when I'm reading this stuff, um, um, 
I, I notice all those points from my suspension disbelief is challenged, right? Because it is. It's it's still challenged, even if I'm enjoying the story. It's is it is it challenged to the point that I can't get past it? And if I'm enjoying the story, usually I'm managing to to just deal with the fact that my suspension of disbelief is challenged. But when I go into a writing project, I have to deal with those suspension of disbelief issues. And sometimes they're not what I would consider surmountable in a reasonable way. Because could any any problem could be fixed, but the amount of effort it would put into solving that kind of problem to me often winds up like, why would I want to get bogged down in that? Because you could get bogged down for weeks or months in just doing the world building and handling the ripples and stuff in a plot. Um, and I just, I'd rather just write something. Well, more often my mind will take me in a different direction altogether. Like I'll sit down and say, okay, what if, and then I put my question together. But then when I start taking my question apart, it doesn't work. And so I, what if myself into a different scenario? Um, because I've taught myself over the years to not allow myself to get bogged down in an idea that's fundamentally um, flawed in my brain. Now, whether it's flawed in your brain or whether it's flawed in my brain as a reader is entirely different. But what I can write and what I can read are often quite different. Well, I mean, I have the same thing that happens, right? Is I know that this, the, the, the flaw in the idea for me is usually the amount of work it would take to make it work, which is why I just move on. I'm like, I'm not going to do that. Um, because it would be too much work. But the thing is, sometimes people come to me with ideas that are on that scale, right? And they say, what do you think of this? Or could this work? And I'm like, no, not really. Not unless you do this and this and this. I go, what if I just hand wave all that away? I go, then well, you've you could. You could, but you've completely failed to suspend, you know, failed the suspension of disbelief test. Because um, it doesn't make sense. So, I mean, often the approach with these complicated kind of mergers is just to hand wave away the things that are inconvenient. But that's not the way I write. I, so I try to make very meticulous choices when I plot. I make precise decisions about character and about plot events. And nothing happens in my story uh, that I don't want. Um, and there's no one to there's no one to blame but myself because Amuse doesn't actually exist, and my characters don't 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 say or do anything that I don't want them to do. So I don't try to blame that stuff on other people to avoid my own process or you know other people fictional characters because you, you see writers doing that. Well, I didn't mean for this to happen, but my characters just wouldn't listen to me. Ugh. Dude, I'm dude. Not unless you have a psychiatric disorder, you didn't listen to you. It is too late for me to be rolling my eyes that hard. That actually is one of my, I, I, that's one of those instances online when I wind up sitting on my hands is when I see somebody talking about their characters wouldn't cooperate. I was like, okay. That's not how that works. Okay. <laughs> that's just not how any of that works. So yeah, I do try to make very, very careful, meticulous choices when I'm plotting and when I'm planning and when I'm building my characters, when I'm doing character profiles, when I'm considering their history um, and their sexuality and their sexual experiences and for, for good and bad, um, the choices that they've made, did they get married? Did they not get married? You know, all these choices that I'm making for my characters, they play into the construction of my story. And so, being that kind of planner, I can't go into 
my premise has to be solid before I start. I can't go into something with a fundamentally flawed premise and then get there. I don't get there. I'm stuck there. I'm stuck at my premise until my premise works. Mm-hmm. So that's just how I write. That's how I work. But as a reader, I can read a lot of shit I couldn't write. <laughs> Well, and sometimes I do pick up stuff because I go, wow, that seems really improbable to me. I wonder if the author can make that believable. So sometimes I'm picking up the story, wondering if they're going to be able to. But that's not actually, in that state of mind, it's not willing suspension of disbelief. It's reluctant suspension of disbelief. It's like, let's see if you can do this. And the answer is usually no. (laughs) No. I mean, sometimes people really surprise me. Like, they really surprise me where it's, sometimes they don't actually I don't actually suspend my disbelief. I disbelieve that it's so entertaining that I don't care. I don't care that it's completely improbable. Um, and sometimes people will just slap a crack label on it when it that when it's really improbable. But I find that disingenuous, to be honest, because if it's if it's just that they haven't worked out how if if it's written seriously and there's no element of crack to it, other than the fact that it's just completely improbable, calling it crack to solve your improbability issue is kind of bullshit. Well, this is completely ridiculous. I'm just gonna I can't I can't work out you know um, I can't work out why Riddick is is working for the SGC, so I'm just gonna call it crack. Okay. Did you write it like crack? No. Okay. So, but every once, like I said, every once in a while, somebody really rocks at home. They put something really improbable together. And I'm like, wow, that was, that was stunning effort. And I'm just super impressed with the work that they put into something. And sometimes it's just really entertaining and I still don't buy a word of it, but I was entertained. So it's all good. And sometimes I just nope out in in three paragraphs. So you just never know what's going to happen when you pick one of those up. Like that whole, um, the whole where did the physics go? Where did all the physics go by Amaral? I love that story, but I'm not sure I could have written it. I'd have spent so much time trying to reconcile various aspects of, um, well, number one, the timeline. Because John and Rodney are coming from 2004. And they end up on a ship in 2140. I don't know when the original series date is. But that's a significant time jump. So not only have they jumped universes or dimensions. They've also leaped through time. It's very entertaining. I love this story. But that would be my first stumbling block. And I would have a hard time getting past it. I mean, yeah, I can say, okay, yeah, people can time travel in science fiction. Sure, great. People can do dimensional hopping in in, in, um, in, in science fiction. Yeah, great. Can they do both at the same time? Or does time work differently in one of these universes? Is one of these universes younger than the other? Well, that doesn't make any sense. So I'm stuck. I'm already stuck. <laughs> but I fucking love that story. But my mind, the the way my brain works, um, it doesn't work that way. My brain doesn't work that way. And so it it would be very difficult for me to get past that point. And I'm barely into that premise and I'm already stumbling. So, but it's a fantastic story. I highly recommend you read it. It's very, very good. 
And I'm very glad that she doesn't have my mental um, issues when it comes to such things. Because then I would have missed out on a really awesome story. Um, yeah. Also, um, I just, just to mention, I when I put the links in the podcast link library, um, I put the for the first link, I put a date. And then any subsequent links, until there's a new date marker, that is for the that podcast. So the thing about the date marker is if you've been listening to this on CastBox and you're coming and you're looking, um, you'll want to look for the date before the date on CastBox, I think, because they usually go up the next morning. So the date on CastBox isn't necessarily going to be when the podcast actually happened. You don't, you don't put a date of the actual date of broadcast on the CastBox stuff, do you? Um, no, but it'll be uploaded tomorrow. It'll be uploaded with the time date for today. Whatever I uploaded is the publication date. So if I upload this afternoon, after I get some sleep, after I do some editing, it will be one night. It'll be seven nineteen. Right. Podcast but, date. Right. But the link library will say seven eighteen podcast. So when you're looking for links, if you come into discord and you're searching, you want to look for the day before the date of the podcast that you're looking at. So if you're looking at the seven nineteen podcast, you want to come in looking for seven eighteen links. It, this came up because somebody couldn't find links. Like I said, I date them, but I'm dating it broadcast date, not the date that it's uploaded. And the broadcast date is usually the date before. Yeah, and when I do announcements like on Facebook and stuff, it'll yeah, it'll it'll be the night before, and then it'll. But that was actually the same case in Blog Talk because of after because the once the podcast rendered, it would be the next day. It would be dated for the next day. Yeah, but we didn't have this link thing for people to go and try to find no, stuff. No. So I do try to date when I'm putting them in the library, but if um, the dates aren't matching up, it's because the podcast goes up the day after it airs. So. Which I probably could put the date dated a day ahead, but whatever. Just I think when it comes to the premise of Stargate de de declassification, you can go in several different directions. Um, one of them is like a, is an enlightenment. Um, it's best case scenario, and there's the worst case scenario where there's rioting and people kill themselves and people kill each other and countries go to war over control of the Stargate and um, things get really, 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 really fucking out of hand. A lot of people die. Um, it was dystopian, just to say the least. Um, and if that's your jam, go for it. So, you know, it, it just really depends on which way you want to go and both ways are valid. Um, I personally avoid that kind of dark shit because um i'm in fandom to make myself feel better and to be stressed you know to get, to get rid of stress um and that's just stressful <laughs> that's why i write happy endings that's why i don't write a lot of terrible dark shit because <sighs> that's stressful <laughs> i don't want to be stressed out on my hobby yeah i, I don't write dystopian stuff um for about the same people way. are very entertained by it and i'm not judging you um but that's not why i'm in fandom so if you want that kind of thing you won't find it here i wouldn't even try to plot that kind of thing because um it, i mean i got close to writing something that was edging towards you know bad and it kind of just totally shut my brain down so um and i never planned for it to go full-on dystopian but the potential was there and it really put me off so of my own writing so 
it's it's just not something I would even want to try to plot. So when we go to the plot drift, we both tend to plot the kinds of things we would want to write. But it could spark somebody's creativity in towards a more dystopian direction, and you do you. Seriously. Sometimes we talk about stuff on the podcast that we wouldn't do or that we couldn't do for various reasons. Um, but that isn't... We aren't trying to tell you what you can and cannot do. We are um, talking about... We're, we're expressing our opinions um, on topics and how they impact us as writers and what we would do with these ideas and topics as writers. So... And as much as I sometimes will, am willing to pick up stuff and read it that is like outside my usual or um, that's not quite my usual cup of tea or whatever it is, there's, I also know what my hard limits are. So like sometimes people will tell me, oh, there's a great, uh, somebody did a great story with this pairing and I'll see the pairing and I'll just go, nope, no. And it's a hard no. Like I don't, I don't want to investigate it. I don't care if the person sold it. There are some things I just don't want to read. I think, I think the older you get, the more comfortable you are with um, asserting your own boundaries, both um, per personally, professionally, um, and it is perfectly okay not to want to read something. And you don't have to make excuses. You don't have to jade. You don't have to deflect. You can just say, no, I don't want to read that. And you don't owe anybody an explanation. Not even the person who wrote it. Just saying. Jade Jade stands for um, justify, argue, defend, and explain. And more and often people um, are in positions where they feel the need to justify their feelings on a subject or explain it away to 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 prevent aggression or to get acceptance or all the above. Mm -hmm. You don't got to do that. Nope. I mean, there's some things, yeah, there's some things that I'm just generally judgy about, right? Like we've talked about, we both kind of judge yeah. about scenario. <laughs> um, like, you know, people, adults having um, sex with people under 16, I'm, or even adults sometimes having sex with 16-year-olds, depending upon the age of the adult. And so we Gross. both have kind of but I kind of had a, and even I, I mean, I, somebody got on me about being judgmental about RPF. RPF freaks me out. Okay. It, I find it creepy. Um, and that's, I have a right to that opinion, but the reason why we don't allow it on the quantum bang is because I really truly believe that it is a shady legal area and that there could be any day, like not that there's, and I know there are cases that come up constantly about RPF and there could be a precedent setting legal decision that happens with RPF. It requires that stuff to get pulled down. Real person fiction. Fan fiction about real people. Um, and, and I don't want to be the person who gets sued for that landmark case. Right. I just don't. So I don't want to have on a server that I am financially paying for and that I am responsible for and the domain is under my name. I don't want it. So if you want to write RPF and it, it makes you mad that you can't participate in the quantum bang with RPF, this is my, this, that was my decision. And the decision, actually the decision not to include it was based strictly on um, what I consider to be, it's a very legal. It, I, I mean, it's almost, I know fan fiction can be in a little bit of a legal gray area, but RPF is in a, considering how many ongoing lawsuits there are about it, 
it's really dodgy and I don't want anything to do with it. So it's really dodgy and scary and ugly. And I don't, but yes, I, I got to keep my dogs and food guys. <laughs> but you know, you notice that I didn't exclude RPF for the fluff bingo because I'm not hosting it on I'm, 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 I'm sort of facilitating the challenge, but I'm it's hosted on AO3. So, or whatever site you choose to put your stuff on. So it, and it, if, but if it's going on a site, if it's, going on a site that I pay for and that I'm responsible for, I don't want it there. And that's why I don't allow underage stuff there either. So that was a choice made upon like risk management. But yes, I also just find it creepy. That's my opinion. I, I don't allow RPF on um, rough trade. I don't allow pedophilia on rough trade. I don't allow a chant. I don't allow underage with like teenager and adult because I think it's disgusting. All of it. But that's, but that's completely different. You got some pairing that as long as it's not like an underage thing, you got some pairing that I don't get. Like, I know I've seen like Tony written with in, in cases where he gets together with someone who's like an actively a criminal and shifts over to the criminal side of life. That's a hard no for me because that's not the way I perceive his character. And I'm not going to read something. I don't need to read it. I don't need to see if the author sold it or not because I don't buy it. And that's, that's nothing. Some people might buy it. Some people might see his character that way. I don't, so I don't read it, and that's my opinion. But if you do, if you do see the possibility for him to become a criminal, well, except for that one serial killer exception that we probably kind of, like, Kira and I are emphatically. Um, that whole pseudo-Dexter thing really worked yeah. for us for some reason. Yeah, that, um, was, that, was, that was the exception that proves the rule. But to- Tony Neal's a little bit different because Neal Neil was working for the FBI. But no, I talk about Tony actively getting involved with like a drug dealer or something while he's a federal agent. I just don't buy it. Well, Neil was a thief. I, I yeah. think I think that Tony would have problems with Neil's um, less than um, his very flexible moral code. <laughs> yeah. I right there. I wouldn't write it. I've never actually sought to read it, but it doesn't make my brain shut off in a hard no kind of way. Like him getting together with like, um, I'm trying to think of a drug dealer or something or some criminal. I don't know if people who write RPF equate public personas with characters that they can play with. I think that they just don't care. That they don't see them as, I'm not sure they see them in characters, but I'm not sure they even see them as real people either. Like they're just objects. They real person fic is is objectification. It is 100% objectification. Um, and that's heinous. And there's some asshole listening to this podcast, even like currently or later on one of those services. He's thinking, you know what? I've got a fix that will change Kira's mind. You don't. You do not have a fix that will change my mind. And if you think that there is a Joe Flanagan, David Hewlett fic out there that I haven't been wrecked, then you're a moron. They've all been wrecked to me. I have not read them. I will not read them. And this is not a green eggs and ham situation. She's not going to like it no matter how much time passes. So fuck off with that shit. I, I, I didn't even know RPF was a thing until I stumbled into a Lord of... I thought I was reading a Lord of the Rings fic because it was tagged as Lord of the Rings. And um, 
I start reading it and I'm like, what's with these names? <laughs> and then I realized that it was RPF. And I was like, I, I, didn't, I, mean, I realized it was the actors. I didn't know what RPF was. I realized it was the actors. And I was like, what the fuck is this? And then I realized there's a whole bunch of it. Right. And it's all, it was all like tagged on live journal as RPF. I'm like, what is RPF? And then somebody had to explain it to me. And I was like, Oh no, <laughs> no. I mean, I had a really negative reaction to it from the jump. Right. Um, Cause I just find it really. I find incest fic extremely abusive and I would read incest fic every day for a month before I would bring a single, before I would read a single paragraph willingly of an RPF fic. Yeah, it'd be like, you know, send me all the feely keely fix you can find. Get 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 the get the Sam and Dean. We'll get we'll get moving on that. Um send me some good got, ones though, please. You got something from numbers? Yeah. As long as Charlie's an adult, I'll read it. But I'll read that shit before I would read the two actors getting it on. Yeah. So, you know, Rob Morrow is really hot. <laughs> He wasn't hot before. How did he go from not being hot in Northern Exposure? I mean, he was kind of cute in Northern Exposure, but he wasn't hot. And then you give the man a gun in a thigh holster. And, and, and what? And <laughs> what really is it about a thigh holster? And really tight pants. I mean, he oh. was wearing some tight jeans, too, with those thigh holsters. It wasn't just, it was like a dick frame. So it wasn't just it, it, thigh holsters. Yeah, it was. It was totally a dick frame. Yeah, it thigh was, It was the whole thigh holsters are the devil. I'm just saying. I don't um, even know. It's like I don't Rob find Mar him hot. Do to me. Yeah, it's like I don't find him hot. Oh wait, yes I do. <laughs> Look at you. Even as hard as I think he is, I still don't want to see him in the RPF fic. No, no, I don't no. believe in the devil. I mean, unless you're about Lucifer and the guy that plays him is hot as fuck. Oh, yeah, right? Oh. Right? Tom Ellis is a... That's a, that's a whole meal. <laughs> that's all kinds of special. I love the show, Lucifer. I, th I think it's just... I hot. like the first couple seasons. Really it sexy. started... But, I, but I'm an atheist, so... Um, yeah, it doesn't bother me. It, it kind of they kind of turn him into a kind of they kind of turn him into a little bit of a caricature as the seasons went by, which kind of bugged me. But I really liked the first few seasons. So we'll see what Netflix but, does with him. Yeah. Um, oh, so I agree with you, Sahara. I agree with you that Charlie and and Don finding out finding out that they're adopted, what Charlie's adopted or whatever, it it still feels like incest to me. It's even pseudo-incest really bothers me. I won't read it. Um, it's sort of like Thor Loki. I mean, Thor Loki is a fairly, there's, it's a, there's a lot of Thor Loki stories in the MCU. And um, I, I don't, I'm not interested because it's still, even if somebody writes an AU where they didn't grow up together, the characters in my head, it's entrenched in there that they're brothers. And they're, like they're, I can't read Thor and Loki for the same reason. that They were raised as brothers. Yeah, so it doesn't matter that they're not related. So, I mean, because I had somebody point out to me several AUs for Thor Loki um, that where they weren't raised together. Like where, well, like where Loki grows raises, is raised as actually as a frost giant or something. I'm like, it doesn't matter because in my head, these two are brothers. So they're, 
changing changing it up so that they're not related in the story solves the actual but it just doesn't feel right so oh look there he is in his dick frame it's just I don't know why it's hot I don't know why it's hot it's like there's guns I mean I, I do not have a gun fetish I don't he also beefed up a little bit because look at the muscles we're seeing through that t-shirt there yeah yeah he worked himself out a little bit yeah, it's it's the thigh holsters all the way. That that's because uh, just that left right comparison. He's so much hotter with the thigh holsters. Well, I would I actually would not read. I don't read mythology. If it was a story based on mythology, Loki and Odin are brothers in mythology. So Loki would be Thor's uncle, which makes it grosser. Yeah, because you get that. <laughs> Vibe somehow, on. somehow that's grosser. <laughs> yeah, I don't, um, I don't actually don't read any mythology fic because, um, it's based on the actual mythology. Um, like I mythology you know, is fucked up as it is, it's full of incest it, it, and rape and murder, and it's massively fucked up. And I just, bestiality. I don't want to get surprised by, you know, cows and swans and stuff like that. Now, of course, I'll read stuff like, you know, um, Percy Jackson, that's completely different. But anything that's actually literally based on mythology, like they're writing something like set in set in and using no, especially the Olympians, those fuckers. Those those assholes are totally messed up. Oh, it's turning in the Alex you, and Lachlan show over here. Thank you, Lodi Holder. I really appreciate that. See, that's a good friend. It's, it's there. Friend. It's just little. It's he uh, he has an any. It's there. It's, it's teeny tiny. It is teeny tiny. His mama had a really good doctor. Mark P. I don't. Oh. I I never actually watched Supernatural far enough. I only saw the first couple seasons. So I never saw it far enough to know anything about who played Lucifer. But I did see all the funny episodes, of course. Because <laughs> <laughs> she's got priorities. Well, the fairy in the microwave will never not be good. I have to go watch that on YouTube. I've, I've never seen it. I feel like I'm missing out on something because, you know, the Supernatural fandom actually ruined Supernatural for me before I ever got a chance to watch the show um, because of incest. Um, and I just couldn't watch the show. Because in, 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 forever in my mind, it will be that incest show. <laughs> Which is, I know, not accurate. I know that. I realize it is not accurate. But still, because of the fandom, they ruined it. So, we gotta just watch it now. Right? I'm gonna, I'm gonna watch it now. You, you don't have to watch it now. But I'm gonna watch <laughs> it now. Because you can edit this shit out. Wow, that's loud. Wait, I have to get my other headphones. Oh, no, I don't. No, I don't. Dean fights Tinkerbell. It's a minute and six seconds long. Yeah, it is, but it's the whole because it's the whole fight, and the music is just it. The music makes it. <laughs> He's got a cute face. Look <laughs> at his ass. Uh oh, microwave. Oh no, honey, get out, get out. That was. That was ugly. <laughs> I find it funny as fuck, especially that noise she makes right before she blows up. 
That was just that was just ugliness. <laughs> she, she did put up quite a fight, but she still lost out to a microwave, so I don't know. But if I recall, she was there to kill him, so I oh. she 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 wasn't like you know a good fairy. No. Um. But yeah, every my sister watches um, Supernatural, so every time there's the the cracky episode every year, she makes sure I get to see it. So, and when the when they tinker when the Tinkerbell thing happened, we watched that microwave bit, um, like like at least five or six times the first time I saw it, <laughs> at least. And the episode where. Um, they go to investigate and there's like this high school musical thing where they're doing supernatural, the musical. And it's based on the books about Sam and Dean. And so they show up and there's like these kids, it's an all girls school. And these girls are, um, there's a girl who's playing Dean, a girl who's playing Sam. And at some point their tragic romance comes up and the brothers, so the scene where the brothers look at each other, they know we're related, right? They get that right. It's just I find that because the, they kind of they do kind of poke at fandom sometimes about the whole incest thing, and I find that to be their sense of humor about it to be top notch. Yeah, it is. It's the subtext. <laughs> yeah, because he asked them about that, and they go, "It's subtext." No, honey, it's not. There, and there's, there's no subtext. He's my he's my brother. <laughs> so there are a few episodes of Supernatural that even if you don't watch the show, it's like it's just very entertaining um and i have sometimes the darkest most horrible thing just tickles my funny bone um and um the the tinkerbell getting microwaved just did it for me but i have to say one of my dark my favorite dark comedy movies is death to smoochie um it is you know it's the the dark underbelly of uh the whole premise is it's the dark underbelly of children's tv the whole movie is just it's so it is so dark and it is so ridiculous. I think a lot of people um in general have a hard time recognizing platonic love, whether it's familial or otherwise. Oh yeah, my people people think my sister and I are in a relationship on a fairly regular basis. It's like, come on. You don't resemble? Not 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 some people think we look exactly alike, but we actually don't look anything alike. So I think that when the people who are picking up on resemblance know us and um, they're picking up on similar mannerisms and similar facial expressions um, as opposed to actually looking alike. I mean, she's blonde, I'm brunette, she's got like pale eyes, I've got dark eyes, I'm five foot ten, she's five foot six, I've got really big bit boobs, she's got really small boobs. Um, she's got a very square jaw. I don't. I mean, there's just the only thing we've both got in common is um, we're both very pale, uh, but her skin's got a pink undertone. Mine's got a yellow undertone. I mean, it's just like I just don't see the basis of why people, some people say we look alike. But yeah, more more people think we're in a relationship than think we, which is weird because it's not like we're like super physically affectionate like out ever right? My sister actually doesn't like to touch people. She's like, <laughs> she's, like she's, she's got a hug quota. She's like, you get like two a month. <laughs> so Two a month. <laughs> you, 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 gotta, you gotta save that shit for when you're really upset, dude. 
That's right. If you, if you really are like desperate, I'll, I'll hug you. But, you know, please make sure it's really emergency. Is that her kind of perspective on it? Do you um, really, really need it? Yeah. She's like, do you? Well, okay, if you need it, all right. <laughs> That's kind of her whole. But you could just kind of steer to fight. You're like, oh, I have to touch someone. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, her coworkers, her coworkers for years thought that we were lovers and I'd never met her coworkers. They just assumed. That's hilarious. And also weird. Yes. It's like, no. Well, actually the first time that it, the, now, the, the first time there was a, a lesbian assumption about me and a family member was actually about me and my mother. Now catch this. We're on a flight to, we're on one of those like milk runs between Juno and like, catch a can I think maybe it was a little tight it was a little jumper flight it's like it's like an hour total right and um uh, my mom my sister and I are on the flight together right and the flight attendant I I wasn't I mean I can be oblivious about flirting but I was not oblivious about her flirting um but the thing I didn't find out until we were getting off the plane because she flirted with me the whole flight right the thing I didn't find out till we got off the plane was that she had commented to my sister about how well adjusted she was um, with having lesbian parents, right? And so based upon some other comments she made, she thought my mother and I were in a relationship and my sister was our daughter. <laughs> and she flirted with me the whole flight. <laughs> wow. She's so a shit. Like, so I was like, I looked at my mom. I said, wait a minute, wait a minute. So my mom's telling me, my mom's thinking it's really amusing that this woman thought that she and I were in a relationship and I said wait a minute wait because my mom and my sister are talking about this and how funny it was I said wait a minute hold hold the phone she thought you and I were in a relationship and she flirted with me the whole flight <laughs> and then my mom kind of stopped she said hey that's really offensive <laughs> <laughs> how dare she <laughs> you're not a cheater <laughs> I was like and I totally would have given her my number too but not now <laughs> Not that up. Not when she flirted with me right in front of my not lover, <laughs> the home wrecker. <laughs> that's that's hilarious, but also again terrible. Really, but terrible. I would. I was thirteen when our neighbor thought I was my father's wife. So. Oh. Right? Now, I looked old for my age, okay? There's no doubt that I looked much older than I was, but I didn't look that old. So, yeah, that to me was way more disturbing than anything else. But part of it was because I was 13. I was really grossed out by the whole concept. I went, ew! <laughs> ew, no, he's my dad. What's the matter with you? That's gross. So I looked I, older. Than, I, I looked older than I should have too. At at fourteen, I looked twenty. I remember this man um, asking me out in front of my mom, and um, she answered for me. She said, "No, she's not going out with you." He looked at her all all condescending and shit, and he goes, "Don't you think you should start treating her like an adult?" She said, "Yeah, I will in about six years." When she's actually in I said, wait, I have to be 20? <laughs> she said, yes, you have to be 20. And he goes, wait, you're 14? And I said, yeah. You never seen a dude move so fast. Well, you never seen a white dude move that fast. 
<laughs> Go away, creepy man. <laughs> he left flames on the ground getting away from me and my mother because he had asked out a 14-year-old girl. I I was looking like an adult when I was 12. But most I think a lot of that was height and boobs. Um you know, by the time I was 12, I was five foot eight already. And I didn't get the last two inches until um, I was 16, I think, maybe. Uh, that last two inches came on really slow. And then, but I already was like a double D cup when I was 12. So, wow. so I had big boobs and I'm very tall. And, uh, you know, and I just, people just assumed I was closer to 20. I had no problems getting into bars when I was 12. I mean, no problem. No, because men see boobs and they think automatically adult. Or they don't care. Most of the time, they just don't care. That you look mature is enough. Which is how, again, most teenage pregnancies in this country <clears throat> are the result of adult men having sex with teenage girls. Because the appearance of maturity is enough. Yeah, it's 1.40 in the morning. I can't believe how long this podcast has lasted. Um, it is time to go to the... I was going to say, it's time to go to bed, but it's time to go to the bathroom. And that's always... It, what, it honestly what, really is time to go to the bathroom. So, um, yeah. That's what ends it. So, do the good night. <laughs> I hope you guys have a fantastic evening. Go to sleep. Margaret, if you're still up, go to sleep. It's, it's way past your bedtime. And... Um, um, so we'll catch you guys later. Say good night, Julie. Good night, everyone. <laughs>